So goddamn delicate. This wasn't an isolated incident. What? Last month you asked a student if his family had been Nazis. Yeah, I did. He's German. We were reading the plot against America, and trust me, by the way he was squirming, they were. This Oscar season, we keep running into first-time directors and screenwriters. Our last two episodes, The Holdovers and May December, have both been movies where first-time screenwriters have worked with established directors, Alexander Payne and Todd Haynes. Tonight's film, American Fiction, was both written and directed by first-time director Cord Jefferson. Jefferson is a longtime writer, having written both as a journalist and editor at Gawker until it closed, and then as a TV writer working on comedies like The Nightly Show with Larry Wilmore, The Good Place, and Master of None. And then on HBO's Watchmen, where he won a primetime Emmy for writing on the episode of This Extraordinary Being. He also won a WGA award for working on Secession. But with American Fiction, Cord Jefferson was a screenwriter, director, and producer on his own film for the first time. This puts him up there with another writer-turned-first-time writer-director, Celine Song, who was also nominated for Best Picture for her semi-autobiographical film, Past Lives. American Fiction is based on the 2001 book, Erasure, by Percival Everett. Both the movie and book satirize our relationship to black literature in America. The world of literature is, of course, a very white industry, with white people allowed to sell and write whatever they want, but novels and books written by black authors being labeled as black novels or African-American studies. I would imagine that this author, Ellison, is black. That's me, Ellison. Yeah. He is me, and he and I are black. Oh, bingo. No bingo, Ned. Very specific cultural notions of the African-American experience, so-called, being published and selling. This work has sometimes been accused of being trauma porn or poverty porn, and the books and now movies focus on the black author themselves as a central character. Novels, even when explicitly labeled as fiction, are treated as some form of autobiography. With the expectation that there is an authenticity to a hegemonic so-called black experience within the pages of these books. Erasure and American Fiction both follow an author and literature professor called Thelonious Monk Ellison, played by Jeffrey Wright. Monk has no connection to this world of poverty and blackness. His entire family are upper middle class doctors of various types. He hasn't published in years. I've written three novels since the last time you published. Uh, this is true, and the speed with which you write only proves that good things take time. Monk writes books exploring mythology that nobody wants to buy or publish. The type of literature Monk loves is dense, complicated, and not explicitly black at all. 
While stuck in a rut with no offers from publishers and placed on leave from his college, Monk becomes deeply upset with a book called Wees Lives in the Ghetto. Too few books were about my people. Where's our representation? Would you read an excerpt? Yo, Sharonda, girl, you be pregnant again? In the movie, it's written by an author named Centara Golden, played by Issa Rae, a former publishing assistant who went to Oberlin College. The book is very clearly not based on her life, and Monk finds it to be the most pandering trash. This is kind of where the novel and movie must diverge in a good way, as 2001 was a very different political and cultural moment to 2023. The Weeze Lives in the Ghetto of Erasure is a parody of 90s black literature, especially pushed by Sapphire. I should have fucked you up, but I let you walk away and I let you come get yourself together. But bitch, I'm gonna let you know if you ever pull that shit on me again, that will be your last motherfucking day standing. I promise you that. You gonna send a white bitch to my motherfucking buzzer? Talking about some higher education? You're a dummy, bitch pushes the story of Precious, turned into a 2009 movie by Lee Daniels about an obese, illiterate 16-year-old black mother whose child is the result of a rape by her father. Monk goes home to see his sister Lisa, a reproductive health specialist who is going through a divorce and caring for their mother who is showing early signs of Alzheimer's. Within a couple of days of Monk returning home, Lisa, played by Tracy Ellis Ross, has a heart attack and dies due to her high-stress lifestyle. What the hell did you give her? It's oxycodone, but... Knocks them right out. You gave her opioids to sleep? Yeah. You ever seen a heroin addict? Those guys take naps standing up. It's dangerous. Look, I'm keeping an eye on her. I'm a doctor. So am I. Right. Maybe if we need to revive a sentence. This leaves Monk and their brother Cliff, a plastic surgeon whose life has been falling apart since he was caught in bed with a man, ending his marriage to care for their mother. While caring for his mother, Monk meets Coraline, a lawyer living across the street who he falls for. Putting his mother into a home is expensive, and Monk is on unpaid leave from his college. As a prank to expose the hypocrisy at the center of this literary world, Monk sits down and writes a book parodying the type of successful black novel he's upset about called My Pathology by Stagar Lee, who he claims is a wanted fugitive. Mr. Lee? Uh, yeah, this is he. Oh, really? Yeah, God damn it! <laughs> of course, instead of exposing the hypocrisy, the novel is wildly successful. Attempting to sabotage the release, Monk changes the title to Fuck, which makes it even more successful. I am kind of fascinated by the massive cultural shifts we've had as a country since 2001 when Erasure came out. The movie makes light of this, and one of the central things that Monk keeps coming back to is the notion of police brutality. Mr. Lee, is this, um, is this based on your actual life? Yeah, you think some ass college boy can come up with No, no. We've culturally been able to see police brutality as a thing which transcends our ideas about class. Famously, President Obama, another massive cultural shift to talk about, responded to the shooting of Trayvon Martin, not by police, but by George Zimmerman, by saying, if I had a son, he'd look like Trayvon Martin. But my main message is, is uh, to the parents of uh, Trayvon Martin. Um, you know, if I had a son, he'd look like Trayvon. Images of black bodies, movements like Black Lives Matter, and slogans like defund the police became cultural shorthand for racial issues in America. These are the issues that do not connect to somebody like Monk, and that his writing avoids discussing. Monk feels that this is trauma porn, and it reduces the black experience to a one-dimensional form. And American fiction satirizes the kind of white liberal culture that is almost hegemonic in the literary world that does that. I would argue often with good intentions. I mean, the purpose of focusing on police brutality is hopefully to stop it. They smoke him. It's perfect. Yes!
That is, that is perfect. There's a way that reduces each black life to a potential statistic, rather than a three-dimensional story. And as he says, my life is a disaster, just not in the way you'd expect from reading that shit. They gonna make your movie or what? Unfortunately, yes. Hey! You know what? Good luck finding someone handsome enough to play me. I think they have. Who do you got? Tyler Perry. Tonight's show is brought to you by Yabiga. A Balkan Rockia spirit, go to yabiga.com to order a bottle tonight. Anyway, before I introduce the panel, please like this video and subscribe to the Movie Night Extravaganza YouTube channel. Hit that bell to get notified whenever we're streaming. Also, we are now monetized, so if you have any pressing questions during this live stream, send us a super chat, which helps me keep the show running, which I am obligated by international law, human rights law, to answer. We also have a Patreon patreon.com slash movie night extra all of our after parties are on there forever we also have a new discord and a letterboxd hq account so those are two more places to follow along with us links are in the description okay let me introduce the panel conan neutron host of Britonic reversal co-host of movie night extravaganza and frontman for conan neutron and the secret friends neutronfriends.bandcamp.com Conan Neutron of the Secret Friends has a new split LP with Lung, Adult Prom, available now on Bandcamp. Christina Oaks is streaming on Twitch at Cosmopolitics, twitch.tv slash Cosmopolitics. Also recently joined YouTube, she's on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Cosmopolitics. Send her some subs on Twitch, and send her a coffee. This month for the Oscars, Conan and Christina are co-producers. We will have both show and after-party content that they've produced, so follow along. Is in the Discord as well as watch parties on Mondays in the Discord. J. Andrew World, illustrator, book cover artist, artist for Gives of an Argument, co-host for Movie Night Extravaganza, and Bad Takes. Zach Marsh is a filmmaker and film aficionado and the writer and director of the short film A Talk in the Park. I, of course, am Forrest Miller, your host and author of the book Fuck, a novel I definitely didn't adapt from The Wire after changing some names around. I love love the scene where he's uh where he's clearly uh watching like I mean it's, it's not the wire but it's something that's a lot like the wire or, like snowfall or like a show like that like uh and there's a guy and he's like rule number 1 of selling crack and you can tell that like monk is literally in hell watching this show being like I don't connect to anything about like a you know the so-called black experience that just like there's that <laughs> commercial of celebrating black voices and it's like, I was just going to say the B, the BET knockoff where it's yeah, like yeah. Celebrating the diversity of the African American experience, and it immediately smash cuts to Ricky getting shot in Boys in the Hood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, then there's like slaves. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh my god! It's I. I. This is for me. This is the funniest movie of the year. I. I found it so hilarious, and all the jokes still work second time around too. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, I'll, I'll come out of the gate. I think it's a masterpiece. Um. <clears throat> I've seen it twice. Uh, I it's, you know, it's funny you br you brought up Precious. Like a movie like this is everything that Precious wishes that it was. Precious could never and could never. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, Monique's performance stood out, obviously, and, and sure, and she yeah. bitches about how it how that Oscar win kind of ruined her career. Like, 
you know, yeah. she never really gets offers. I'm like, oh, that's what we call the Oscar curse. So yeah, they only well, want yeah, you well, to do that, that one it's thing. It's a typecasting thing too, because everyone's like, oh, well, the thing to do is to make trauma porn with her now, and that's yeah. how we're going to get awards uh, and stuff. And yeah, she, yeah, she's the she one with the, with the trauma porn, right? She's good at that, so only is able to do that, and only should be given projects that are that exactly. Yeah. Yes. Well, and and the, the thing is, uh, you know, the Erasure book, which I haven't read, but uh, Whoa. came out. You know, <laughs> well, no, I, per wow. I, I purposely didn't read it because Conan was was talking about how uh, uh, this is revolution. Their whole conversation was about the book, so I was like, "All right, well, I'm not going to yeah. do that for, for this." But no, the book came out in 2001, and then you know, Push, which by Sapphire, like the thing that Precious is based off of, came out in the 90s, and the book was like satirizing um, that genre of like literally trauma porn. You know, and okay. so it's kind of it's definitely fascinating that like we've I feel like we've come so far in some ways culturally, right? Like mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. we're we're kind of in the age of representation and talking about you know black stories and somebody like Issa Rae being in this is funny because I feel like Insecure is is a show that's done um you know has done a lot to like uh, expand what we think of as black stories, right? Like those are just kind of normal characters that aren't explicitly black. Well, uh, I know a lot of people were mad about. President Barbie being woke, so. <laughs> President Barbie, by the by right. the way, for sorry, did did you say that Precious is based on the novel Push by Sapphire? Because no, it's uh, I, I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. It's not like uh, the insistent terminology during that entire award season always referred it to uh, referred to it as Precious based yeah. on the novel Push by Sapphire and not just fucking Precious. Yeah, I mean, I memory, I, I memory hold that. <laughs> that period of time yeah, well because that that, that movie was clearly such trash right like it was oh, garbage pandering pandering yeah. trash that like i Pandering. i feel like they had to keep uh you know like um going out of their way to to, to like remind people this is based on a book this is this yeah. is oh, this better yeah this is high culture it's based on a book <laughs> it's 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 only so the second worst second worst attempt at a cinematic race commentary behind crash exactly it's oh, hard to beat the the, the the global champion which is crash which also did win Where, an oscar sandra which shows bullock, you that sandra bullock falls down some stairs and then she's not racist anymore yeah it made her not racist it was also how that happens <laughs> i skipped that movie and i don't think I, i'm so uh, glad i did I was well, so angry. There are worse so films angry. to watch. That that won't make <laughs> I, me angry. I, no, I think you know what. If you ask me to name what's the worst movie of all time, Crash is in the short Crash list. Crash is it's in it's in the conversation to be sure. Well, it, there was it, the, yeah. also that, that Oscars where it felt like um you know like maybe like we were making some racial progress a little bit, right? Like we were mm -hmm. in like a really like tense moment, and then no, we like, solved it with the movie Crash. Didn't you notice well, no, that we well, solved then, racism? Then, then they gave Green Book a bunch of awards. <laughs> I know. And, let me let me talk about that for a second because if Green Book came out in the '90s, the way it discussed racism, it's, it would have been revolutionary. Yeah, but like it didn't. But it's two thousand. It was like twenty what eighteen or something. Well, yeah. No, I would I would supplement that if it came out in the '90s and it was directed by someone whose last name wasn't Ferrelli, it might have been. Revolutionary. <laughs> yes. Oh, we're we're gonna make a movie. Italian perspective. Here. But the Muyans. <laughs> <laughs> and these are a time Thank of you. movies that like this, this film is talking about well like, the, the, the racial society that we yeah, feel like right. we're we're in or whatever like yeah which we're clearly are not but but that's one yeah. of the reasons why so so when you talk about since you did invoke the book and that conversation uh on jason's uh show was largely the fact that like the guests th felt that in the book the the black culture gets kind of like a free pass 
And it's more of an indictment of like white culture in the movie. Well, first of all, it's a movie, not a book. Secondly, the kind of things that they're in there, they're there as like bite-sized moments. So specifically like homophobia, right? How the mom is like mad homophobic. And that's the whole Sterling K. Brown character arc, right? Is him sort of, you know, being who he is and not having like that acceptance. And like, that's like a huge part. I was like, well, it's there. It just isn't like, again, I, th I think people get tied up with like what they want something to be. What this is, is absolutely hilarious. And by the way, not just on, on a racial basis, this is just hilarious as a creative entity. Anyone that who creates that like, what's the dumbest thing I can do that all these idiots like, and then you do it. And then it's like what more popular than anything you've ever done. It's like an actual nightmare. Right. So yeah. for me, that's how I was engaging with it. And I was like, this is amazing because like everything he does, he's like, no, we're going to change it to fuck. The name is, which is an incredible scene, right? Because, like, well, how about if we do it with a PH? No, no, no. We can't, we can't do that. That can't be what we do. Like, every, at every moment, it goes deeper and huh. more stupid, and it becomes more successful. Mm -hmm. And that is every creative person's literal nightmare. Well, and, and just you, kind of, you kind of had, like, um, uh, like a, a long period of, um, like, self-help books, right? Like, rising to the top of the charts when it came to books. And there's a lot of academics that have, like, written some... Yeah pretty like smart um like kind of complicated text and everyone's like ah, i don't really want that but the second you know they write something about like psychology and uh like really basic <laughs> self-help stuff Weez lives like, in the ghetto you know like <laughs> you know like well <laughs> but like you know like i mean it's it, it there's an intersection there of like oprah like you know what i mean like it's, it's kind of the yeah. the oprahization of all culture so it's like it is, black yeah. stories like something like the color purple that you know they, they just remade again um, or like, you know, self-help stuff from fucking Dr. Phil or whoever, like it's, it's that kind of, I mean, for both, you know, black audiences and white audiences, there's that kind of crossover where our entire culture, both as literature and as film and as all this other stuff for a while there was based on like Oprah's whims and like, yeah. And there was right. a lot of like drama porn, like for like, when it comes to like the African-American community, you know, spilling a lot of their personal lives or you have shows like Maury, you know, Povich and all those like, it's like, you know, it's, it's like these people are or you had like Spike Lee, Spike Lee kind of like uh, did caricatures of like, you know, um, I like bamboozled is a caricature of this movie. I really, um, yeah. And, and uh, don't get me wrong. I like bamboozled. Like, like, I think it's a good film. I, I just, uh, you know, like, like it is not subtle and um, this yeah. movie is subtle <laughs> and, and much more fair. <laughs> Well, that, well, but that, that's, that's yeah. the bamboozled though. Like it's it, it's it's try, yeah. it's deliberately unsubtle, right? Which no, exactly, is exactly. No, I subtle was not what he was going for. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but I mean, maybe but a like, subtle Spike Lee movie that's about the about race. Yeah, yeah. But versus well, versus, versus have a subtle Spike Lee movie that's about race. They kind not of do, not to kind dwell of on, on the head with that a lot of times. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, on some of the worst movies ever made. But like that's exactly what the problem with Precious is: is that it's about as subtle as a sledgehammer, but it's trying to pretend that it's like nuanced and serious, and it's just at a really it, it weird almost... time though, too, because the, the same year that Precious came out was the same year we had like Obama's inauguration, right? Like, yeah. so it was like this yeah. moment of like uh, kind of soaring transcendence and kind of people declaring we're living in like post-racial America. And then the movie that did the best <laughs> that year at like the Oscars was just like, a, you know, like a, like a obese, illiterate, like a 16 year old mom or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, it's not even based on like the actual like Sapphire. I mean, Sapphire claims it kind of is based on her, her life, but like, it's still, it, it's somebody creating this trauma porn 
for an audience that they know that they know that the audience is they, they know who the audience yeah. is and that's and, the audience that's indicted in this and, and i think to great hilarity yeah and you know what's interesting too is it reminds me of a lot of sitcoms where the main characters are predominantly black families like the cosby's uh family matters even blackish and all that you know something that my dad always pointed out he's like you ever notice that all the white characters in the show that are written by like you know black people are kind of dumb and this and that I'm like well yeah because i mean look how white writers will suffer normally or would portray black characters in right, those in right. the same type of sitcoms yeah i mean even kind of normally at first yeah <laughs> he's old enough he, to, to be you know, excused a little bit. He's yeah. like, he's like we need we need a we need a black archie bunker in this neighborhood well but also yeah. like <laughs> You shouldn't look to sitcoms as, you know, moving the needle uh, culturally in definitive ways. Usually there are exceptions to that rule, but like mm -hmm. it's of course it's dumb. It's meant to be dumb. It's meant to be something you don't have to think that hard about that. You can escape from your 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 horrible, crappy, oppressive life. That's what they're designed for. Mm -hmm. Now, are they and effective? Also, not for me, but I'm not the target market. <laughs> wait, which well, I mean is. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Okay. No, I was just going to say, like, like, one of the things I love about this film is that um, uh, there's a lot of movies that, that are TV shows or whatever. I'm just, you know, media in general that, that tries to show like the, the middle class black experience ends up getting ghettoized in like, um, uh, in, right. in like just the media market where, where like people aren't seeing it. And finally, like, this is actually a movie where people are actually seeing it. and it's great. Like, like it is a great film. Yeah. This so, is a solidly upper middle class black family, right? Yes. Like, there's, there's no, there's no like nobody came up, you know, in from the ghetto. Nobody yeah. like, you know, it, it, and it's and that a lot. Some people bagged on it for that. I'm like, no, yeah. I think that's good. And because, a lot yeah, of they do exist. Yeah. yeah. And, and Cosby Show was ruined by the titular character, of course. Yeah. And also, too, like, even though there are upper class black families, white people still see them in a, a certain you know, right. degrading way. Like I'll use a little story real quick. My, there was this upper class uh, black family that my sister went to high school with and he was a very intelligent, good looking student, you know, dressed very preppy and all that. And he asked my sister out. And so guess who had a guess who's coming to dinner moment? My mom did. She's like, oh, oh you can't. She's like, you can't. She's like, what would your grandfather say if you were dating a black boy? And she's like, ma, you always said what counts on the inside. She's like, yeah. Well, but so I can tell you what to do. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that's the kind of thing that was parodied in uh, in like Get Out, right? Like at first, yes, uh, right. with the the awkwardness of uh, you know Bradley Whitford being like, uh, I would have voted for Obama a third time, third time. <laughs> yeah. which apparently he didn't know was was a joke line. Like he didn't right. know that, that was gonna. And he dude, was, like, he was on the West Wing. How would well, I know? But he was pretty offended. <laughs> he drank the Kool Aid on the West Wing. Not not just was, in that. But. He was he was pretty offended that that line got laughter he's like i don't get the joke i would have voted for obama yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why it's yeah. so good don't worry about it honey it's fine but but i think i think a major question in this that isn't invoked in a lot of other um things that literally like kind of delve into you know the middle class black experience is how much number one i mean white audiences are obviously mediated by you know media made for both white audiences but also consumed right. by upper class black audiences who then project out those visions of themselves which is kind of what um throughout this whole movie monk is kind of freaking out about both with Coraline when he gets upset about her reading the book fuck and enjoying it <laughs> and you know kind of vicariously living through this uh thing that he wrote as like a as a prank but also you know with uh Issa Rae's like a uh, Centara Golden character um and the way that she writes right something that's not 
close to her experience whatsoever, but it's still the, the idea of blackness is mediated through our culture, which then, you know, she had to do research yeah. for that book, right? <laughs> because that's not her experience, which is hilarious. Cause like, and by the way, how great is how wonderfully NPR is the host of that event. Yeah, you know, it's it's like yes. oh my god, perfect. Weez lives no. in the ghetto. Weez no. lives in the ghetto. Exactly, that's the NPR voice. I I love no. the fact too. Like like uh, I actually uh, related to that because I read a lot of books about crust punks. Because Andy lives in the ghetto. Punk, that is not my lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> but I live vicariously through my literature of crust punks. There you go. You Without having to person. smell anybody that's a crust punk, which exactly. is exactly a bonus. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I'm blown away, and you mentioned in the intro, Forrest, that this is a debut, right? Because we talked about it with the Celine song, that that being like, you know, another astounding, uh, you know, writer-director debut, that like, this seems like a third movie or something to me. You know what I mean? Like, it's so authoritative. It's so... Confident. Confident. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and well, I, think, I, I think it helps that Cord like worked on, you know, one of the great and arguably most cinematic shows of the past decade. Watchmen. Um, he was, he was a writer on succession. Um, yeah. Like I feel like that's, I feel like that's pretty good preparation and, and not the, not the subject matter, but like, the, like the, the, well, the family dynamics, right? The family I mean, dynamics and the, and the sure. comedy. It's a very, it's a very natural transition from working on that at a very high level. Yeah. Um, to, I'm pretty sure they, they nominated him for an NAACP award for his work in succession. And I wonder how much of that was uh, like, thank God there's a black person in the room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, we got one. He's over there. He's in the writer's room. <laughs> writing about a, a predominantly white family. Uh, Let's go. About a white family. Yeah, we can't be it. racist. We Look hired the black guy. He's writing about a white family and he's a black dude. Well, and so the other thing that he worked on, um, he worked on Larry Wilmore's The Nightly Show, right? That, that show ended way too soon. It way was... ahead of its time, in my opinion. People Absolutely. weren't ready for a Larry Wilmore. John Oliver show, I think, has has, has become, uh, last week tonight, has, has become the inheritor of The Daily Show. But at the, the first sort of post-Daily Show sweepstakes, it was, I was like, oh, no, this one's the one that's coming for blood. Like, this is, yeah. this is like... All, everything I loved about like the Daily Show, like just getting down to it, it was like that. Yeah, they show. just they just got very uncomfortable with him, you know, talking about racial issues. Of course, yeah. And that yeah. Was, and I'm like, they like, ironically, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they put it on, you know, Comedy Central, which uh, they also kind of had some issues with Chappelle's show when that was on, yeah. and uh, you know, changing Free around. Chappelle's cool. Yeah, changing around the blackness of that. So I I wonder how much uh, Comedy Central loves loves putting on like black shows and then loves going, Oh man, maybe we shouldn't have put on this black yeah. show. But Larry Wilmar's the, uh, the other person he took under his wing is Issa Rae. And he yep. was like the, first, one of the first um, executive right. producers for, uh, you know, for like insecure. And so it's kind of, I, I don't think he gets his praises sung enough for how many people he actually managed to, um, kind of either help out or like take under his wing or if you, you know, look at anybody yeah. that was on that show, you're right. Everyone's in that show. They've like gone on to like do other things. And a lot of us, cause they got a foot in the door working mm -hmm. on that show. Right. Like it's, it, it, it's, it's like the Ben Stiller show. 
which was a real thing that existed, but it yeah. launched like the comedic careers of like, uh, you know, Bob Odenkirk and, and, and David Cross and like Mr. Show, like all these people that like, you know, were kind of struggling behind the scenes. Uh, but specifically what, what Show did is like, Hey, let's take all these deeply hilarious and, and clever, uh, black folks that I know. And like, let's like, that's what we're going to do. This is going to be the black show where we talk about black stuff, but really it's going to talk about everything. And because we're doing it, it's going to be the black show. And it was genius and it was good. And it was taken away from us way too soon. So it's not surprising that all of those people did like wildly creatively and cool stuff afterwards at all. It, I mean, it just shows how smart of a dude Larry Wilmore is. Give him all the money. Let him do he was that. Also, um, <laughs> Let he him was be also the new good. Tyler Perry. He was also the Larry David to uh, Bernie Mac's Jerry Seinfeld. Yes. Like, yeah. He was the creator of the Bernie Mac show. That's yeah, right. Was, I forgot about that. See, he's done yeah. so much crap. I forget about it. You know? See, and where, he, where he also, the... I guess he also was the person that co-created Blackish. So like yeah. all of these different projects that, you know, have been already referenced in, in this show as like, uh, you know, expanding, I guess, the realm of what we consider um black culture right like away from this thing that's just um you know these like mediated visions of what blackness is that don't that don't really actually correspond to very many people i mean you know like it's it what it, it does create like one-dimensional uh forms of people right like the yeah. ideas of what blackness is or what blackness can be and or who the it, first black president really was and according to some it was bill clinton Wait, it wasn't. <laughs> yes, because all the fried chicken eating—that's why. Yeah, and the well, saxophone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. He went on City Hall. Like, yeah, yeah, it was that. So he went on City Hall with his saxophone, and that's when they were like, "Oh, this is the first black." But that, but that's. I was there when it happened. I mean, I wasn't in the studio, <laughs> but I was like, watched it. I was like, "Wow, he's playing you the saxophone." The saxophone. Right? Yeah, that's like, exactly. yeah. In hindsight, he was not good for the black community at all. No. Well, I mean, no. it was obvious with the uh, whole. Uh, was it? Um, Sister, uh, sister, sister soldier, sister soldier. Yeah, yeah. let's not talk about Bill Clinton though. Like that's like who, who cares? Move on. Bill, Clinton, <laughs> Bill Clinton's American fiction. Exactly. <laughs> He's like, this God. is not what people from Arkansas are like, but I guess you know. <laughs> uh, speaking of Arkansas, because they do reference it in uh, American oh, yeah. fiction, that's where right. they say you know he'd be he'd be a beauty queen if. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> where she the yeah. first I, I love that so in the because this is a so there's many aspects to it there's the creative journey and the what makes uh black art uh etc cetera, etc cetera, why is it exploited but there's also the family drama of it i love that you know she's like the the maid character is, is like oh you know you're looking good oh no i'm fat and then like what's the first thing the mother says to him who's losing her mind by the way it's like oh you look fat <laughs> which yeah. is like oh Thanks, you understand mom. what you need to know about that dynamic immediately right yeah, you understand why why he's like yeah i give her you know pills and stuff and it's fine right. exactly <laughs> i also i love i love when like the nature of a story changes because like for that for the first yes. part of that first act you think it's going to be this thing between tracy ellis ross and jeffrey wright right. and like you know, just as just as like the rhythm of it's being found, the rug gets pulled out from under you, which is like true to life. Like you like you right. like I lost my like my grandfather a year ago and it was like out of nowhere, heart attack. Um, you know, like it, it's like it it just it these anvils drop on you. Um, 
that was the moment where I, I felt like I that I first felt like I was watching something really special. I agree. That was, yes. that because it's so shocking. Like, oh, right. my yeah. God. Like, she she's snubbed. Uh, you know, she should have been nominated for Best Supporting Actress because, like, how great she was in such little of the movie that she's in. Like, like yeah. you know. Um, like, like that dynamic where they're joking around and she tells that really, you know, long involved setup to do that Roe versus Wade joke. Hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. great. And then there's just the kind oh, of like. Oh, about how his book changed your life? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the, the sniping. Yeah. In a realistic way, right? Like, that didn't the feel like. The siblings do to each other. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, it didn't, it didn't feel, like, it feels like a real dynamic between two siblings. And I, I love that they give you all these little antagonisms that, um, you know, that, like, Jeffrey Wright, right. like, his, his monk character has, right? Like, he has the antag antagonism with the one guy at his job, which I fucking love that actor. He's always in things. I mean, you know, he was oh, in uh, Yeah, he's in Mulholland Drive. Yes. And, yeah. Um, yeah, what's like? I can't remember his name. He's great, though. Go. Yeah, he's great. great. Let's he go. In, uh, he, he was in serious unfortunate events uh, as yeah. one of like the. But um, yeah, I, I love. So they give you the antagonism between those two characters, where it's already like, okay, this guy is combative, not in the way that you think of as like, um, you know, like, because everything in this movie is kind of subverted, right? Like, there, there's a yeah. certain kind of um aggression that you know that is kind of parodied throughout this that you know black men are said to have or at the end where you know he has the award they think it's the gun that kind of thing which but i this, thought was deeply yeah. hilarious by the way i was like Holy also crap. the malcolm x the malcolm x shout in that moment too like that that shot totally. of him laying on the stage yeah <laughs> well and how not to jump ahead to that part specifically, but how clever to do like a, if we have to describe it to Clue, right? The movie Clue, the multiple Indian thing, but yeah. do it in such a way that's like, no, in terms of him being a writer, like it's it's well done. And it like, you know, it's like, oh no, that's the rom-com ending. Right? You can also, you can also <laughs> really- They show him, they show they show him in in like combative first with the green haired woke liberal college student that doesn't like yeah. the N word on the board, which yeah. it's such a funny lie where he's like, I got over it, so can you. Yeah, uh, you yeah, know, because like th this is a white girl that's like upset about a black teacher having the Edward on the board, and everyone yeah. else seems to not really be. But so they have that like combative moment, and they have Such him getting shit. into they have they they have him getting into it with you know the, the the other teacher that's you know jealous of his writing ability, but also. You know, it's, it's well, and yeah, and he's it. talking trash because he cranks them out really quick, right? He's like, "Well, maybe yeah. take a little time. You might have something worthwhile." Basically, so yeah. they've clearly this is like, "Well, I saw you in your car the other day." That was like, it was like, "Dude, come on, lay off." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, um, I actually uh, in college did a little acting, and I was in a uh, adaptation of um, Uncle Tom's Cabin called "I Ain't Your Uncle," where the characters from the book come out and and like rewrite their endings. Uh, except for mm. Uncle Tom, who still dies. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so but it's hard to spoil it for you people. This yeah. version of Uncle Tom's cabin, you know, they think they think uh, they think he's holding a gun, and they go, <laughs> and, uh, right, right. No, exactly. um, but but uh, the 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 big thing about that is I remember um, like uh, the the N word is in the script a lot, and I had to say it quite a bit. Um, mm. And uh, is, this, is this Tarantino's Uncle Tom's Cabin? <laughs> I, I mean, I was a white guy. Of course, I'm going to say the N word a lot in a, in a movie about Uncle Tom's Cabin. Like, you know, in a play about Uncle Tom's Cabin. Of course, I'm going to, you know, it's said during the uh, 18 whatever. 
anyways. Um, Fantastic. Andrew World, everybody. Here he is. The, the He's going to be here all week. I understand the point of that story. I understand the yeah, origin I, of that story or the relevance, the more, but here the it is. More, here he the comes. morning on Blue Sky, it's going to be like, Andrew World loves to say the N-word. <laughs> no, it's tweet gonna, that out right like, now. It's going to be six months from now, and there's going to be some reason that like Andy's like, gaining in popularity. Like His, his star is I'm like, on the Daily Wire then, now. And then some, and then some, like, all these new friends. Yeah, one of those, like, out of context accounts is going to, like, just find that. They're going to be like, I watched through, you know, uh, 12 hours of, you know, fucking movie night extravaganza and finally found J. Andrew World claiming he says the N word a lot. Yeah. (laughs) All all these new followers, all like Roman columns and stuff in their user (laughs) avatars. Got so many new friends. It's like, uh, it's like the art, the the art of tradition. They're like, come on, let's talk about like the Roman Empire. Right. Can you wrap it up quickly, Andy, or no? I'm assuming you can't, I'm but go trying. ahead. Yes, I was just about to get to the point. Okay. But like, I just remember can't wait. people like actually walked, like like white people specifically, like none uh-huh. of the black actors did, but a ton right. of white actors actually like quit because they couldn't do it uh, because of the use of the N-word in it. Got it. Okay. Oh, did, did, didn't this happen with Django Unchained with Leo and uh, and uh, and uh, Samuel Jackson or something like that? He's like, you got to say the N-word, dude. You have to. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, it's the, okay. Yeah, like He's like, like, Samuel Jackson's like, Look, man, if we can say it, you can say it. It's a lot Look, if you can't, work. we're just going to get Matt Damon and he'll say it. Yeah. Yeah. You're playing well, I mean, an uber racist. What would you expect him to say? Yeah. Django right. Unchained is kind of uh, Tarantino's like mea culpa for how much he says he has like actors say the N word in movies yeah. that don't involve, you know, slavery or anything like that. He's like, look, yeah. now I have Jamie Foxx saying it. It's fine. It's yeah. fine. It's literally fine. <laughs> so so I think it's so it's interesting that like those small little moments that are largely the look how white culture reacts in all these ways that don't matter are in there. But also like there's a thing when they finally pick the books that are on the thing and it's like, I just think it's really important to listen to black voices. And it's like the two black voices in here don't yeah. want this to be in here like you clearly yeah. you don't like white that's people, why it's we, funny we, to me we gotta uplift the black voices we gotta listen yeah. to them and they're like what about what about the ones at this table no not so much well, it's never it's never the one it's, it's always yeah like literally that phrase is always ironic because it's it's the black voices the white liberals want you to hear well listen to I, mlk <laughs> but not malcolm x yeah, and it's yeah. deployed so effectively here because there's such a long setup to it because you kind of know it's like oh man it's gonna be it's it's gonna be the it's gonna be the book that's gonna be the one that happens but how they get there and how it transpires is so well written and so well acted and then when it happens and you and you get yeah the punchline is that we just, I just feel like it's important to listen to black voices right now <laughs> amazing and I saw it twice so second time. Second time, no reaction at all. But first time, whole theater like lost their minds the second that happened because it was a much bigger crowd. But second time, it was literally just me. I'm like, what? What's wrong with you people? Are you asleep? It's funny. It's a funny moment. <laughs> and it's like all the white people in the theater are like, do I laugh at this or not? Am I but I did see it. At one of the one of the widest malls and one of the widest areas of LA. There you go. So, so finally, so my first the first time I saw it was a very white audience. And yeah. I think I accidentally broke the ice for everyone to engage with it because um, the the fifth line in the movie is, "No, I think it still has two G's in it." Last I laughed like because I was that was like my okay we're we're off this is gonna be great. I laughed so fucking hard at that line. Okay, and uh, I I genuinely feel like it was just me like I howled at it. Yeah. Like, oh no. Yeah. Same. 
I genuinely feel like the rest of the movie, like the these generally older white audience were like, maybe we can engage with this. Maybe I, we're allowed to laugh at this. I, I, I was like Max Katie, like Robert Jr.'s Max Katie, like laughing my ass off. And everyone's like, <laughs> okay, if this white girl's laughing, I guess we can all laugh too, you know? Like, it's, it's, it's you're, the, you're the comedic uh, canary in a coal mine. Uh, yes. But yeah, so KT was saying, just for the audio listeners, the movie is so self aware in the most hilarious way. I think you'll like this movie more if you can appreciate that kind of comedy. Absolutely. I, I, think- I, I also think you it's a lot of fun to play. Like, you can kind of pick apart, like, when does the movie stop being the movie and it starts being the movie within the movie? And- right. Because right. like, there's yeah. all the alternate endings. Like, is the entire movie, except for the very final scene, the movie within the movie? Like, did any right. of it actually happen, or is it him recounting it to the studio guy? Is this movie like, purely nonfiction? Yeah. Well, yeah. totally. Because because not since the actual movie adaptation with Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Can I think of a movie that is a better job of showing an adaptation? Yeah. Which is yeah. you what you realize, you know, uh, jump scare alert. That that's what this is. It's like, oh wow, crazy, you know. Like, uh, pain, pain and glory is a good one. Uh, Almodovar's film, that's a pretty good. Oh, I actually I haven't seen. That's one of the only ones I haven't seen from that dude. Okay. That's my favorite well, film of his. I highly recommend it. But it's yeah, a very interesting looking at. I think it's a really interesting. It's a really interesting way of handling the source material because I guess the parts of the book. Um, which cause I, I was I was listening to Corey Jefferson talk about adapting the book and like mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. kind of like the difficulties that it was with it's two it's kind of two narratives playing against each other and that part of right, it right. would have been harder to adapt because it's 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 Monk's own narrative about himself and his identity and then you know the characters kind of that he's creating in this book which you know gives us that really hilarious scene. Uh, where it's Keith David as the as the dad. Amazing, the- yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And, and like as he's like trying to write it, they're they're like, well, no, no, that's not right. And there's that back. Like, what a cool scene again of the creative process in that way. Like, you know, shown in in a method we don't get that much, and we certainly don't get for that kind of thing. Which is literally a guy like, all right, well, let's make some pablum for these dogs to lick up, and then like just make a really arrogant esoteric academic point with that of course ends up being incredibly popular and everybody treats it earnestly because everybody's yeah worse. but but it's not supposed to originally make it outside of the literary <laughs> no circle. it's just supposed to be a piss take it's it's li- quite literally a piss take you know like mm-hmm. in, in the way that's you know again speaking of someone's a creative entity you always have if you ever do anything like that the secret horrors that okay well that's gonna be the most popular song you ever write or the most popular book you ever you know whatever yeah. it is is like the what's the worst possible scenario you can think of cool well that's probably what the public's going to engage with mm. and you know why because it's generally I, true i i think that it's, <laughs> it's it's interesting that jeffrey wright in this movie right like monk is someone who's never um never bothered to like do that right so he doesn't yeah. there's no awareness in his mind that that is what's going to happen because he's never been someone who's um you know subjugated his own writing to anything else because he's very serious he's serious about his art yeah. and engage with, like to the point that he will go to bookstores and when he finds his books miscategorized as he feels hilarious he's, he's like no i'm gonna move these he's like well we're just gonna move them back though like <laughs> and then he gets busted on it by his sister which is which shows you oh this has happened before yeah. This is the thing he does. You know? Also, him him using the sunglasses as a, as a disguise I, because as if he, <laughs> he's visible, like 
he's an author, but he's like, you know, he's visibly recognizable and like they yeah. the sunglasses would do it. And then he's like takes them off and it's like Clark Kent and Superman. Yeah, like um, when he wants to make his point, like he wants to make it a point. Well, well, let me and he kind of struggles with it a little bit to get them off. Like it isn't cool. Yeah, the guy at still all. does not the guy and the guy's like has no Bro, I don't know who you are. I, I, yeah. I work at Barnes and Noble. He's like, he's like, these are my books, and I am black. And he's like, oh, bingo. And he's like, no, not not bingo. bingo. Yeah. <laughs> but the, there's the other. There's the other. Um, well, the, I'm the laughing just really, thinking about it. The yeah. part that really cracked me up with that is when he's taking the books out, and then he looks behind him and gets into that like ah thing because he, like he has like yeah. a jump scare kind of because. He sees Weez lives in the ghetto, and it's yeah. like that book is following him around as if yeah. it's like uh, you know, like a specter in the background, his, like, his, like a uh, killer in a slasher movie. Yeah, right, right. right. <laughs> his visible, like Jeffrey Wright's so great in this. His visible disgust when he goes to the book reading and like she starts reading part of it. It's just like he's just like his the seething like, contempt is so like it's why. Finally, Jeffrey Wright in a leading role, right? Because he's been a that guy for, uh, in so many things, and he's so great at it. But it's almost the yeah, year for that guy uh, Oscar you're, nomination. You're right. You're right. Has you're he had a leading right. role since Basquette? No. No, he's been doing a lot of sporting. Uh, yeah. He actually said because he plays, you know, Gordon in the Batman. Uh, he's hoping that yeah. there's more the flesh for him. Yeah. yeah. The he Batman. was one of the best parts of the Batman, if you ask me. Yeah. Thank you. Nobody did, but I was going to say it anyway. Uh, but like, he's so like, he leans into all of the things that make him a great character actor are so perfectly endemic to this character and this yeah. role. And that's why it works so well for him. Because like, again, he seems like the kind of guy that would be like, oh, this dude's too smart for his own good. <laughs> well, everyone, everyone talks about like the scene with like the olive in the drink, yeah. like putting a drink together. Like that's like, that's like super I mean, look, I, I've started taking acting classes now, so I'm like really honed into this, but it's like super. How often do you have to say the N word or is that just Andy? <laughs> That's, yeah, I haven't, you know, I haven't yet. Andy's I, actually, Andy's one, Andy's one, of my, one of my, one of the teachers at one of the classes I went to, um, I'm going to name drop her name's Angela Beshera. She's amazing. Um, she said she wanted to do a scene from Jackie Brown, but there weren't any, like the, the N word was the impediment. I said, why don't you just do the scene between Max Cherry and Jackie Brown in her apartment where they're talking about just getting older? That's yeah. a beautiful scene. There's no, N, there's no N words in that. Yeah. The scene about like, oh, I, yeah, yeah, I use hair plugs. Oh, so yeah, I've had, I've had work down on my face. It's an amazing yeah. scene. Yeah. Um, it's my favorite Tarantino scene. Total tangent there. But Possibly because, my favorite Tarantino movie up there. Because oh, it is yeah, my favorite Tarantino his, movie. It's, it's one of his best movies. But it is um, funny to be like Tarantino is like is like working on like a you know a recut of it and he's like oh we should add an N word to that scene. <laughs> <laughs> that that that's his George Lucas moment. Yeah. yeah. No, it, it actually, he, would, first. He, he would CGI in uh, like uh, Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker's corpse would show up and just like shout it in the middle of the scene. Yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. But I yeah, it, it's Jeffrey Wright as lead in this. It's it. It is such a strong year. Yeah. It is such a strong year. But he is so god pounding good in this movie, man. Like he is, and like I'm glad that it went from being like, oh, here's just like obscure little indie that like three people know about to like it's at least in the conversation. Meaning that hopefully some people watch it, and hopefully I hate to say it, hopefully they get something more than the, the funny race stuff because this movie is a lot more than that. It's a lot smarter I, than it, just that. I think KT posted that it did win a lot of Spirit Awards. Spirit, so 
spoiler Good. for our Oscar thing, but I think there is a chance it could steal adapted screenplay. I, actually, that, that would when the, the Barbie, yeah. when the when the when the Barbie uh, recategorization, what do we call it? The, the great category debate, like whatever. When yeah, it moved yeah. to categories, I was I was if anyone recalls, and they probably won't. And I think in the Discord, I was like, "Well, American Fiction just got a major bump in like getting something because yeah. it, it, honestly, if you think about what that category is meant to mean, yeah." Like it, it transcends it, right? So that's what you're supposed to do. It's not supposed to be like, yeah, it's almost as good as the book. It's like, no, it actually does something different and like is more relevant to the times and works in the medium and format that it's in rather than just being something that's. Which I guess know. they they had, they screened it for Percival Everett and they were like really nervous, right? Like with what they were yeah, doing with kind sure. of his text. And he was like, "You well, you've done something different. Like this is a different piece of art. And like, I, I respect right. the fact that like, this isn't you know this isn't erasure this is your own thing like uh, which kind of is the highest praise you can get from uh you know a creative if I think. the author is saying that yeah, yeah exactly i think i think you're doing something all right so anyway um so this, this is uh this is Corey jefferson talking about jeffrey wright he wrote the role for jeffrey wright that was the only actor that he could envision hmm. playing monk in this which that rocks i i can't imagine anybody else doing a great job playing monk in this i don't think i mean <clears throat> I read an elaboration in December of 2020. I devoured it over Christmas break, and within 20 pages, I knew that I wanted to adapt it. Yo, Sharonda, girl, you be <laughs> pregnant again? If I is, Ray Ray is going to be a real father this time around. By the time I was halfway through the book, I had started reading it, and, you know, I started reading the character of Monk with Jeffrey Wright's voice, and I just started envisioning him. And then by the time that I was done with it, I knew that I wanted to try to direct the adaptation. I just I just felt it in my bones. I loved it so much. We sold your book. No. We believe Mr. Lee has written a bestseller. It's a joke. The most lucrative joke you've ever told. Is this based on your actual life? Yeah, you think some bitch-ass college boy can come up with that shit? No, 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 I don't. And the great thing about novels, right, is that there's so much interiority and there are sort of metatextual references and stuff in the in the book. And so the the fear when you're trying to adapt something like that is you're gonna lose all the nuance and complexity that, that makes the book really great. And so, you know, I had to I had to shave away some of those things that I really loved about the text and, and, and I thought were great for the book and just to streamline it a little bit more for a film. I also was, I would say, less experimental than the book was simply because I had never directed anything before. And so, you know, I was trying to make a film that seemed like within my reach, within my grasp. And so uh, that's not to say that the, the film doesn't have its own twists and turns, but I certainly had to leave some of that behind when doing the adaptation, despite the fact that I loved it. And the thing that Percival, I, I've since, you know, become pretty good friends with Percival and Percival saw the film and, and he said uh, the thing that he really loved about the movie was that it feels like uh, I made it something of my own. He said, it doesn't feel like you've just taken my book. It feels like you used the book as a launching pad to make your own piece of art. And he said that that was what he appreciated the most about it. I'd be standing outside in the night. Then be dads, rappers, crack. You said you wanted black stuff. That's black, right? I see what you're doing. I would say that uh, a huge influence on this film for me is this movie called Hollywood Shuffle by uh, Robert Townsend and Keenan Ivory Wayans. I saw that movie when I was very young, and it just felt like a revelation to me. What we're looking for is an Eddie Murphy type. Someone who can dress like Eddie Murphy, to, to look like Eddie Murphy, to be Eddie Murphy, to give him the actor himself a Murphy me to have a Murphy-like quality, Murphy-esque, to be Murphonic. There he is. 
He's the one we want. I, I just want to be me. I, I don't want to be Eddie Murphy. I just want to be me. I, I just want. I just... <laughs> so many movies and TV shows and books and stuff that tackle these kinds of serious issues like race and identity and class and politics. It can be very self-serious. And I understand that because these are serious issues and I understand the inclination to not make light of them. But when I watched Hollywood Shuffle, I realized it was it was the first time in my life that I'd seen somebody, you know, talk about these kinds of issues in a way that that made me laugh constantly. This is Ricky Taylor. Ricky graduated from my class three years ago. Ricky, can you tell us what you've been doing since you've graduated? Well, Robert, I've played nine crooks, four gang leaders, two dope dealers. I played a rapist twice. Whoa. Other directors that really inspire me are like Nicole Holof Center. I really love Noah Baumbach, specifically Squid and the Whale. Wonder Boys was a movie that I that I watched in preparation to make this. I really love Spike Lee when I was a kid. Race is this interesting thing, right? And that sort of race exists in this liminal space, whereas, whereas, you know, there's a lot of scientists, the majority of scientists will tell you that there is no real basis for race, right? There's no biological, there's no major important biological difference between the races. And yet our society has made race a real thing with laws and our institutions. We've, we've sort of codified it and made it real. So it's both not real but also intensely real and sometimes with sometimes fatal consequences, right? Which we see all the time. And so that there's an inherent absurdity there, right? And I think that a movie like Bamboozled, a movie like Hollywood Shuffle, a movie like Sorry to Bother You, like these kinds of movies, I think underline that absurdity and, and, and laugh at it and sort of, and say like, this is ridiculous. Let's laugh at how ridiculous this is. And I think that sometimes it's laughing to keep from crying, which is, which is you know, is uh you know can be a salve in a, in a in a difficult time and sometimes it's just laughing because laughing is good and finding joy is good so that for me was very important when i set out to make this i didn't want the film to feel like anybody was coming to a lecture i didn't want anybody to feel like they were coming into a theater and somebody was wagging their finger at them and telling them why they needed to feel bad uh this is a movie that i want people to be laughing throughout the entirety of it and it doesn't matter what race you are, what gender you are, what your uh, what your political affiliations are. Like, I really, I really hope people just can come into this movie and have a really good time. I want people to leave with smiles on their faces. I love that scene where they're where he's trying to do his best like black scent possible. <laughs> that was Dude, I was like, oh my god. Just side note: the the Hollywood Shuffle. Uh, name drop there is fucking classic. That movie is that movie's magnificent, and and there is a lot of like I I hadn't thought about because I haven't seen that movie in about fifteen years. Hard to find, right? But it's hard to find. It's very hard to find. I do want to watch it again, but there is a lot of common lifeblood between the two. Yeah, films. no, Robert is, Townsend is is totally underrated, and uh, we should probably do some of his films. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, sure, <laughs> absolutely. No, and I, and I appreciate that, like. Him, him finding the context and like finding the humor with it. I mean, it, like it, it's what makes us like an interesting movie. And again, I was ready when I first watched it. I was ready for like I think this this is gonna be one of two ways. A, it's gonna be awesome, and B, like this is gonna be like oh, it's trying to be important. <laughs> and I was really afraid it was gonna be trying to be important. And luckily, 
I feel like it is important because it isn't trying to be important. You know what I mean? Like I think it's like and the I think opposite it of the zone well. of interest. Yeah, it's like it's it's like very it's very weightless. Like it's very just like right. kind of it's very just kind of like eh. This here you go. This is we're doing this. There's this scene. There's this scene. This is just happening. If you and if you're on board with it, cool. If not, then uh, you know, don't let the door hit your ass on the way out. Uh, and it, it feels breezy, right? It feels even even yeah. when there's like intense things going on, like it feels again, not like it's it attempting to be weighty. And I think that that's uh, so so many times when something, whether it's an explicit comedy or not, tries to be funny. Again, it's trying to be funny. But additionally, like it often gets like weighted down with like, well, we'd rather be important than funny. And that goes back to, again, it's starting to become a rant. The, uh, you know, Sullivan's travel uh, you know, uh, Powell movie, like it, it, Preston Sergius, it, 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 it's like, like literally mocking that in the forties, in yeah. the 1940s and doing like, and like, holy crap, nothing has changed. Literally nothing has changed. And, and, the, and the funny thing is it, it, in, in being so like almost lackadaisical about its importance, it, there are so many moments in this film that are deeply heartfelt. So many, like there are, there are at least four or five scenes that are genuinely like among the most touching stuff that was in any movie last year. Like I spent like, like I, I think that, that scene, that scene on the porch between Sterling K Brown and Jeffrey, oh. Jeffrey Wright lives like rent free in my head. It's one of the best movie scenes of the entire year. And it's like, they, sincerely, like it's, it's like, it, it's, 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 yeah, it's just, it's, it's like beautiful. And the movie, the movie almost like finds that like, accidentally right well and it, it does that also by uh the problems i i love the juxtaposition between like kind of the problems in a i mean presumably in a book like Weez lives in the ghetto or <laughs> you know like uh like <laughs> like my pathology right like the problems yeah. of like oh i don't know who my dad is like you know he's having this whole sob story or like the pregnancy thing like the real problems that are happening in um you know, in Monk's like three-dimensional life, which he says, like, you wouldn't understand that these are the problems. Like, like my life's a mess. Like, my life is a disaster, but not in the way that mm. these books would make it out to be. And like the problems that they're having are like divorce, right? Like every like everybody that isn't monk is getting divorced and having these like, you know, like um like alimony payments that they're losing all of their, you know, large amount of income or like losing their practice, you know, or like dealing with their sexuality in a way that's like his brother is going through an extreme crisis, but it's not a crisis of poverty. He's going, and I love that the drug that he's like addicted to the entire time is fucking like Coke, right? Like, yeah, because he's a plastic surgeon, right? Yeah. Like, and, and, and like, which is, has that great line of like, you know, if I end up with dead people, I'm not doing a very good job or whatever it is. Like, it was, you know, yeah. hilarious. <laughs> which, and also, this, which he, he assumes that his own brother has seen dead bot like right like that's its own right. thing yeah, yeah I mean, well because <laughs> they have a totally fraught sibling relationship and yeah. it's clearly built off of like years and years of accumulated uh trauma and and again but also just dealing with dealing with being siblings and like the like the the locate uh style bullying that happens right and even with sterling k brown like ultimately being like the one that's sort of like you know find this late uh life identity crisis like oh he's gay and like 
you know, his wife left him, his kids hate him, et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, just small little moments was like, you're drinking. It's like 10 a.m. It's like, well, I'm not flying the plane, dude. Not yeah. Flying, yeah. Like, the plane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, that's like something I would say. Be like, yeah, man, what the, what's the matter? Like, why are you so uptight about it? Mind your own he's business. Also, he's also the, the black sheep in his own family, but it's because his uh, his doctorate is in you know literature rather than right, right. then then like being doctor. a doctor yeah, yeah. Exactly. well and <laughs> also, that's that's yeah go ahead zach oh no i was just gonna a quick aside uh you guys had me on an episode for uh the movie that i thought had my the funniest shot of 2022 which was triangle of sadness and the the toilet bowl right. lid in sync with woody harrelson this Best movie, use of vomit in a serious motion picture. Yes. Yes. But this, <laughs> yes. this this movie has what I think is the funniest shot of 2023, which is John Ortiz going, oh, sorry. Dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't, yeah. I didn't catch that the first Amazing. time and I caught it because I rewatched it last night and I caught that and oh. I was like, oh, fuck. Because he's like, I've done that on the phone to people they're talking. It's like, yeah, you know, and he's like, he's like, oh, fuck, I'm sorry. And then, and then Mug looks at him questioning. He's like, your dad, right? Like, you're, you're and like, he's like, yeah, yeah, let's explain it. That'll be better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, but it's, it's, it's so perfect because it's, it's so in line. It's like the whole movie is like, of like the, all these moments that are just, they're just like so carefree done. Like he just so he's so thoughtless. He just and then immediately is like, oh, fuck your dad. Sorry. Well, and I'm, as much I, as I was really, really bummed about May, December being snubbed almost universally up and down the board because of all the great performances in there, I was very glad to see Sterling K. Brown nominated because oh, I think yeah. he does such a great job in this. And he's. Yeah. He's another example of not on the same level of Jeffrey Wright, but like someone that like when he's there, it's like, oh, you're having a good time because that guy is freaking awesome. Yeah. And, oh, my and, God. I remember like, when he was on Brooklyn Nine-Nine and he his, he's like he's like debating what is a doctor and a dentist with uh with Andre Browder. And he pisses Captain Holt off so much by just, you know, quick snap, intelligent responses. He's like, right. that struck a nerve. <laughs> right. I also also the the whole uh, exchange of like. I've taken a lover. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah, oh, I, oh, I'm wow. not offended by that. I'm offended to use the term yeah. "taken a lover." Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes. like, yeah. I'm, no, I'm offended so by sophisticated. Fuck, fuck you, fuck you, motherfucker! I'm gonna take my lover right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, That's great. And I, I feel okay. like we we're kind of. This is another thing with being, you know, um, <laughs> looking at this in you know 2023, 2024, rather than like 2001, right, where homophobia was a bigger deal. I feel like homophobia is a big deal in, in you know, all, all over the place, but not really in, in this kind of like um, necessarily like upper class setting with, you know, and I feel like it's a lot more, at least the generation that you're looking at with like uh, Monk and, and Cliff and like, it's a lot, it's a lot more accepted that in, in these circles, right? Somebody would be coming out of the closet and of course it, you know, destroys the family of the person but like not in the same way that it would have probably in you know like and that's one of the things where I, that's distilled sorry for us but like i think that's distilled with that scene where him and his mom are dancing right and just like i always knew you weren't a queer and it's yeah like, oh <laughs> and, and the people that really hard hard advocate for the for the book are like yeah well it's much more pronounced in the book i'm like i don't know if i need that like i got it in that scene yeah, yeah it's perfect. <laughs> like i got it like like you need it spelled out? Like I don't. I've been around homophobes before. It's not that hard to understand. And, and it's not just that, that that it's the dementia. It's almost like uh remember carried away. Uh it's it's sure. a similar type performance to that where right, where right. you have this woman who's saying really offensive things in public um right. to, to the point yeah. where it's almost funny. Um but but uh instead of being terribly racist, it's yeah. yeah. 
and like like you know it's yeah, something far like, different yes correct yes. but which we do not need to outline on the show but yeah, yeah. Uh, one Good thing movie. i want to point out though is his the name he goes by stagger lee stag r lee yeah, yeah but you know what that that was based his on name, stag r. Flacco. yeah <laughs> but i'm just saying you know that that was a real person yeah. uh they was lee shelton he was known as Staggerly, Staggerly, or Stackoly, and other variations, was an American criminal who became a figure of folklore after murdering Billy Lyons on December 25th, 1895. Yep. And the subject of many songs, yes. uh, many interpretations of the song. And a fantastic yep. graphic novel, by the way. Like, like there's a right. great graphic novel about the whole history of it. It's great. Yeah, I love that song by Lee Price. Oh, Staggerly. Nick Cave. Staggerly. The, the, yeah, the Nick Cave of the Bad Seeds version of Staggerly is, is, is up there for Although, me. It's, I have to say, though, Samuel L. Jackson's version is my personal favorite. What? Uh, he <laughs> did it for, I think, Black Snake Moan. Oh, I haven't seen Black Snake Moan since it came out. Is that out. the one with Christina sure. Oh, Lord. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah but, but okay. Yeah, well, you know the, the meme of Samuel Jackson standing on the porch looking really pissed off? That's from Black Snake Moan. He's yeah, like standing only, on the porch yes. and he's like leaning forward. He's just like, that's so, why, that's Black Snake Moan. It's a great pen name. It's a great alias because again, because yeah. it's the kind of alias that like a, a, a smart guy like Monk would come up with and feel very like, you know, let's pat ourselves in the back. Yeah, like, because so you know, it it. Yeah, Turner song. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, and no connection to... Uh... Song, right? I, I love the aspect of just like he doesn't want to reveal that his pen name doesn't want to be associated with it. So they do think, well, he's wanted for crime. So that's why he can't do this media appearance, which then becomes a selling point. And then it's like, oh, no, they actually like are trying to look into who you are now. I mean, that's funny just because it's whoopsies because our government is terrible. And that yes. would be a thing that actually happens. Yeah. Uh, but I think that like it's notable, too, that. um One of the best fake endings, right, is like it 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 managed to make police shootings of black men into comedy because first of all it's shot like an action movie right i mean what come on I, I, you didn't I, think I, it was sorry. funny really okay yeah i was gonna say it's hilarious but like mm -hmm. it's such a fine line to walk that obviously the subject matter itself is not funny in all in any way shape or form but he's trying to think of these different endings oh there's a rom-com ending. well what about this and it's him kind of like doing the like oh let's do the hollywood thing right but let's do like yeah. real overblown and mm -hmm. so it works on multiple levels as a parody in the way that like uh, the player the end of the player does mm -hmm. where you're like wow like the uh, um the the uh, richard grant character that was like yeah there's gonna be <laughs> there's gonna be no compromises there's gonna be no happy ending this and then like you know mm -hmm. show, show a little money and then suddenly bruce willis is uh, uh grabbing her taking her out of the end taking her out of the gas chamber yeah right exactly it's the same mm -hmm. it's the exact same thing it's the exact same thing but it's like done from the perspective of the writer right and so that's like when there's this moment of like oh you know so are they gonna make your movie and he's like unfortunately yes yeah well, the, he also has the perfect the perfect uh, punchline to it when he yeah. pitches that, and the guy's like, "He's the guy's like, this is amazing. I love it." He goes, "Yeah, <laughs> but I I I think the thing that um really stands out to me about like the ending of this is that I mean he's struggling against the culture, right? Like I mean right. not not in the term that people use it, like oh this is the culture, but like he's struggling against culture writ large, and there's no winning that battle and there's he's not no... in a box there's more than four sides to him well so Absolutely. There's, there's, yeah there, there's 
so he's struggling against culture. They're, they're never going to resolve that uh, debate, right, between him and, like, Issa Rae's character, where it's like, oh, I'm just giving the market what it wants. This is a market. But he would have – but he, what I love about out. that scene, too, is, like, when, when they're at the lunch table, is there's a moment he could just let it lie. He could just let it lie, but he's like, yeah. It's his Larry David moment. It's like, it's not that much different from yours, though. Yeah. And it's like, you didn't need to say that. You yeah. really didn't need to say that. Like, you could have just, like, had a nice, like. You know, the entire time it's been stewing for him. Oh, sure. And it makes it funnier that he hasn't even read it. It's not something he's read. It's not something no. that he took the time to leave through, right? Like, he's angry at uh, the 30-second snippet he heard her read, which, I mean, I would be, too, in his situation. And oh, I get, it's horrendous. And, yeah. And, but... and I think, and I, think I, I completely empathize with what, what he's doing there. But there's no, there's no resolution that's really possible to that. It, one guy can't really change culture writ large. Um, I right. mean, maybe you could have something that's so groundbreaking, but he doesn't produce really anything besides fuck by the end of it, right? So yeah. the, the fact that they kind of just cycling through these endings for this movie, yeah. and the ending he comes up with, you know, off the fly is like, because of course it is, that's what's on his mind, and that's what he's thinking about. Is like, well, what if they just, you know, shot me a bunch of times and the police come in, and then he realizes, like, well, once again, I'm a product of the fucking culture. I'm cycling yeah. through it, right? Like you outsmarted yourself by picking something you thought was dumb. It's like, no, that's it. That's exactly that's genius. Like, no, it's not genius. It's the dumbest possible thing you could have done. But like, well, the, guy, the, the movie the guy is making is Plantation Annihilation. Plantation Annihilation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and uh, Ryan Reynolds gets to pack it, uh, decapitated by a by a. Uh, yeah, uh, and then oh, and then there's the there's the perfect something. fucking ending where he's driving through the studio lot and there's the guy dressed as a slave. And yeah, he, the guy's like, he kind of gives him a like, what's hey. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And he's like, and he just like really reluctantly and like defeatedly not like nods at him. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. this is the man that's been chewed up and spit out by culture writ large by the end of this. And it's like, uh, and you're watching a movie kind of with the same message. I mean, there's no resolution to it, right? Like, so you're kind of, yeah. it's such a meta experience by the end of that. Because he has a tin eared <laughs> any manner of populism and finds. And finds it to be like deeply contemptuous in a way that he wants the culture to be what the culture to, to be like to his taste. And it isn't. And it, rather than like adapting to the reality of it, like he's chosen to become like curmudgeonly about it. And everything about it comes from that curmudgeonly place, including the ending, which is so perfect. You know, it, it's it's perfectly like the writing of this is stunningly good. And I and to, to my discredit, I guess I haven't read the book, but I don't care. The book is the book. The movie is the movie. Move on, yeah. you know. Yeah. I thank I you. Think so. I think that it's. <laughs> Please listen know, to my book podcast the, the, where the I book don't read books. And I'm, and I'm excited to read the book after talking about this. I purposely didn't read it up. Like, thank you up for not. Yeah, because you would be talking <laughs> about the book the whole time. But um, but I, I like I got behind. Time for me to start my book podcast. I wasn't even on that episode, and I know you read the book. Yeah, it's time for a uh, book night novel extravaganza. You know exactly, like, exactly. But uh, no like, spinoff. I, I definitely, but like having those two ideas in discourse with each other is a very hard thing to do in a movie without hitting yeah. it over the head with like, oh, let's have these ideas in discourse with each other. And I, I love that because I like I'm I'm not someone that's completed like a, a screenplay or like anything like that, but like I've always like that's what I've wanted to do, right? Like I've I've always had an extreme amount of writer's block for everything. I must be loyal to my capo. <laughs> but there's, but there's, there's the thing where he's, he's imagining the characters talking in real time and i love that yeah. they're projected as like real characters it's because, exciting yeah, yeah. It, it it's like cinema it's again it's using you know cinematics overused but it's no it's using the power of it being a movie 
to advance the narrative in a way that you would you like maybe wouldn't get the same thing out of it. Yeah, you would, that wouldn't. I mean, I haven't read the book either, but there's no way that scene translates the same way on the page. Right. Especially because when he's like blocked on like what the next line should be. He's like, well, what do I say next? Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and you well, got and Keith David doing like a stage performance. Like, like yeah. that's how it kind of read. Right. And, and like, like, your, there's, <laughs> like oh, there's so much son, to that. No, like, you know. nobody, nobody told you. And he's like, told me what? And he's like, look at my face. And he's like, I love yeah. that he's going, he's like, look at my midnight black skin. He's like, no, not midnight. He's changing the words. Andrew's Andrew's really tuned into Keith David doing a stage performance because Andrew used to do stage performances. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I hear. Yeah. He, hear he, he hears Keith David drop the N-word and he's like, this is just like when I was in college. <laughs> <laughs> you should have so seen like, my Shakespeare. I did the Tempest after that. Oh, God. <laughs> but, but you know, How many N-words were in that one did you do you know that the uh, character in blackface who is who has only ever used the n-word with the er right like that's the kind of character yeah. he is right, like right, right. he's he, like it's not something that goes into his vocabulary so like for those two characters to be engaged in that uh struggle and they're dropping it all over the place in that and like um yeah. you know it's like but it, it's the same kind of subverted thing because the, the 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 thing that's overshadowing this whole movie that we haven't I mean we we touched over with the you know like is like the father's suicide and right, the, right. the father but but not in the way that you know oh like this this person's in so much poverty that you know they have no choice but to end their lives or like no like the father is isolated and alienated and is trying to make a human connection and I love that they don't give you all that information all at once they have like um it's you know shown. Like, Rather yeah, than and they, they yeah. have Coraline just kind of make the joke about it and then realize that she oversteps by doing that. And you have the mother that's like, yeah, he was he just he, he was a genius and he couldn't connect to people. And I stayed with him yeah. because he was going to be lonely otherwise. But he still ended up being lonely enough that he killed himself. And that's hanging. But that's a different kind of father. Issue. But also like made connections elsewhere, like literally stepped out, you know, and then yeah. like that's that's a horrifying thing for uh, for Monk because he and then I was like, oh, yeah, everyone knows that. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, we knew. Like, and then, like, the it, it shows you how self-absorbed Monk kind of is because right. he is a little self-absorbed. Like, like that's right. Oh, he's he's completely self-absorbed. He's fully yeah. self-absorbed. He, he doesn't even like you know check in with the brother to find out about his sexuality and his kids hating him and yeah. all that. Stuff. Uh, by the way, yeah, yeah. Let, let left the wife and kids. I'm gay now and I'm in Tucson. <laughs> <laughs> which is well, which he, is anyone anyway, but he hates it more now. No, but like has any <laughs> all right? Who's been to Tucson on the panel? Yes, me. Yeah. Not not exactly. <laughs> I, I flew over a tiny piece of Arizona on my way back from New Zealand. But I've okay. never been over to the West Coast or the Midwest or anything. Just up the East Coast. <laughs> really? I well, yeah, there's there's been, nothing uh, over there for me. Like I don't have family or anything over there. Why would I go? I, I spent I spent three weeks in Tucson and I have a I have a I have a nice picture. I have a picture of me sitting in the sand next to a cactus. <laughs> well, just you remind me actually speaking of air of air. Uh, well, this, no, this is New Mexico. But like, I flew over Los Alamos on my way back from New Zealand, and there was cloud cover. I was yeah. so there is something for you on the west coast. You could go visit Los Alamos. I know people who work at Los Alamos. I mean. Okay, I don't want to get too down the hole with this. I mean, I was I was in uh, Tucson last week. You know what I mean? Like, I, like it's 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 not that big of a deal, really. But what I'm saying is, it's not a hotbed of uh, culture for if you're like a gay black man necessarily. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I that, think, like, that's most, what I was referring. to. The most culture that that uh, place has was the uh, sitcom Greetings from Tucson, which I actually met the actress for, uh, once. <laughs> I have, uh, I, I have, I have. Did you try to impress them by telling that story about the play or no? I did, Noah. <laughs> um, I have, we were trying I have, to get um, a video camera for an audition. 
I have cousins that live in Tucson. Uh, the like my my mom's favorite cousin is there, and she's a marine biologist, which I've always found is really funny that she lives in Tucson, which is not like it's not like there's <laughs> it's a that's a useless degree right <laughs> there. And, Arizona uh, is the Florida of the American Southwest. Is the yeah, is all well, you need to so, know? So she, so she's a marine biologist, and then her husband designs like those cool exhibits for like science fairs, and has like a yeah. warehouse in Tucson, which yeah. I, I thought was like cool as fuck. But um, when you yeah. think of like the 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 cacti that are like Roadrunner and Wiley Coyote style, like the you know the the forty one justice ones, for the movie. Sorry, <laughs> the, the Sueros, That's actually Tucson. Whereas like if you go like Phoenix and uh, Tempe and, and whatnot, it's it's slightly different climate. So it, it's Very interesting. Yeah. Then People... you get Albert Brooks freaking out in the, in the, in the suburban. <laughs> that's right. Call back to real life. Exactly. I, I remember actually when I was in a uh, Flagstaff, it snowed. Yeah, no, I mean, yes, I mean, I mean Arizona absolutely. is vast, is what the point yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, and so is New Mexico. But it's interesting that, like, of all places for him to be, like, of course he's sort of, like, going to be feeling his oats, right? And, and then he's in a situation where the mom is, like, a homophobe. And, like, you know, is the dad, too? Who knows? But, like... His, oh, and that like, line at the end, like, like that, that killed me whenever he's, like... Um, you know, what if have, dad rejected you? And he goes, right. He'd reject me for who I am. He rejects me like, for who I am. Yeah. Oh, which is like, yeah, 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 yeah. So again, I'm really glad that he got an Oscar nomination for it because that's a hell of a role yeah. for him. But that's also dripping in uh, the homophobia that, you know, at least in Jason's podcast, they said that the, the movie was, was, was missing. It's like that. Yeah. It, it's there. It's very it's there. Much it's just that, like, <laughs> There's so much that you need to do in that. I, I mean, like, like I would, be, I'll be honest. Like the uh, the relationship. Books are books and movies are movies. Yeah. That's all I'm gonna say. But go I, ahead. I was, as I was saying, the, the relationship between the uh, the maid and the uh, the security guard, like yeah. it was very nice, but like it seemed very kind of tacked on, and there wasn't much depth to that whole uh, relationship. Yeah. Um, and like, uh, I feel what do you like, need a Disney Plus prestige series? What I'm talking about. I think I think some of it is that you don't feel bad that she kind of loses her job at the end not because of any fault of her own right, but like yeah and you get a small moment with the security guy guy guard guy like basically bu uh, busting his balls that he like wants to be called monk and then like is like yeah yeah you know like whatever it's a fine name like which is that kind of like small town like horse crap that people will just do where they think they're having fun it's like no you're actually being you're reminding me why i don't come back here is what you're yeah. that in a small town it was like a modesto I, moment right <laughs> i will to defend exactly. to defend that kind of subplot i think that that whole relationship storyline exists in the film for the benefit of uh monk and um and sterling K oh my god i can't remember sterling here on this character's name cliff um yeah clint uh like i think they they are served by that storyline more than it like in it like yeah it's nice and it's 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 nice that they get together and get married and stuff but it's ultimately um like the Quinn catching the bouquet at the wedding and also that moment um where he's kind of accepted and, and embraced even at, like he's literally just right. doing cocaine and having a sex bender and but but his fuck boys provide some value. That one knows how to cook, you know. Oh, Great. You know, that's awesome. Oh, yeah, there's that. But also the maid, the maid literally walks you, out and having just done a line of cocaine in her living room, and she's yeah. like, "You're still fam. This is still like your home. Yeah. You're still family." Right. Right. Well, it's um, also it's also showing you that the only connection that uh, Monk or his family really has to lower class black existence is removed. Far right. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. it's the hell. Like the only connection that he really has 
to someone who I'd assume lives in some kind of at least lower class poverty that like is like the servant. And yeah. in the same way that, you know, when you watch, when you like watch stuff about like the antebellum South and there's like, Oh, well the only connection that they really have with black culture is like, you know, like the, the slaves around the you know the place is like, it's a removed connection. And so when, when you look at his own work um, and he's like, well, I don't really connect to any of this, you know, black stuff or like black identity in the way that it's shown in this like yeah because the, the one poor black person around you is you're like oh that's the person that you know tidies up after us like I, all, all i know is from plantation annihilation that's all i know from it's <laughs> <laughs> and, and not even like the same culture like like you have yeah. you know like, like rural uh black people are not the same as inner city black people it's like like you know I, I, it's just stupid that i have to say this but like you know uh, people missed that point. So she well, go back in time and tell the Clinton 2016 campaign that, by the way. <laughs> well, cause she makes she makes the comment like, oh, well, if you went to, you know, Arkansas, you'd be you'd be a 10. And it's like, yeah. you know, that guy's never been to fucking Arkansas. Yeah. Like, that guy has never set foot in Arkansas. Right. Like that guy is not he's right. not the kind of person that necessarily would like travel to the south. And uh, he, he, he fled from Boston to like the West Coast. Yeah. And, My and favorite. Yeah, there's a long history of uh, black culture in Boston and in Massachusetts in general, right? Like, that's the, the place where, like, um, somebody... Yeah, well, that's the place where, like, you know, some of the greatest black intellectuals uh, of, like, the 19th and early 20th centuries came from because it was kind of considered, like, a, a free black colony in, in yeah. the black upper class. Well, no, no, not a colony. It was after it became a state that... Sorry, this is important right here. The state constitution <laughs> said that all men were, uh, you know, basically... They were, they, were, they, were, they, were neighborhood. And they actually made uh, slavery illegal after the uh, became a state. So there were, there were neighborhoods within Massachusetts or cities within Massachusetts that were called, like, free colonies. That's what they were called because yeah. it wasn't a colony in the way that people yeah. colonize things. It was its own... You know its own culture apart from uh the right. way black people were treated in other parts of the country so there's a long history of of that upper class or you know like upper middle class black life that's very distinct from you know rural poverty i mean oh. in, in the same way that uh you know that that somebody living in like a really tall <clears throat> fucking apartment complex in boston or like in new york city or something like that right it's very distinct from like a poor white yeah well it, it, so I will Oh, guys, Christina. Yes, sir. I will say my favorite thing about Sterling King Brown being nominated for Best Supporting Actor. He's basically in every interview. He's like, "I know where the tides go, and I know where the trends are going. I'm not gonna win this." Right. He's like in the the Palmas. He's in the Palmas Skull role from last year, which is the like, "Oh, rad! It's awesome they got nominated. There is no chance that he's going to win." But like, it's cool that he's being recognized for that. Hopefully, that means other people kind of like catch on that this guy is like really good yeah. yeah it's one of those oscar and wait the the nomination is the win because like right. he, he was not he was not uh in like the the five as being talked about i wanted him to get nominated but i, I was like resigned to like he's not gonna get nominated it puts him in the um, conversation that he should be in you yes know? which which is again that like you said that can be a win in, in and of itself yeah, and like this is this is a man who is going to win an Academy Award. Brian Tyrese Henry, same sort of thing. Causeway was only okay, but he was really good in it. You know, like yeah. Yeah, they really like putting like one black guy, a in token the, black dude, in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, Sterling K. Brown is kind of a that guy actor in a way. It's because yeah. he's been doing a lot of supporting roles for. Because I remember he was in um, the movie about Thurgood Marshall with Chadwick Boseman. Mark, and uh, that was a good movie, in my opinion. Well, yeah, yeah I, I you're right. him on the uh, episode of um, uh, Denzel Washington's Greatest Actor of All Time, period podcast. 
I, oh, I loved him. I loved him in. I loved him in the worst Predator movie of all time. Where he, blows, <laughs> he blows his own head off with, well, the, with the shoulder cannon. Apparently, apparently, one of the movies that that's up for, about that. uh, you know Oscars that I went out of my way not to see because I know I would hate it. But the the Rustin movie, right, that Obama produced. Um, oh, I didn't see make Rustin a movie. I, yeah, yeah, I, I love. I, I, love, like, like I a, love Coleman Domingo. I'm sure it's yes. worth watching. Performance, but I, I can yeah. Coleman, I, can I, I have a hard, but I have a hard time assuming anything, anything made about the civil rights movement by Obama, like produced by Obama, is going to be anything besides. uh Oh, and then we got a black president in the civil rights movement. It was over. You know, it's good now. And Bradley yeah. Whitford would have voted for, for a third time if he could have. <laughs> but um, yeah. I just I guess hope Jeffrey Robert Wright, Domingo gets put in the conversations too because he's he's fantastic. Uh, Jeffrey Wright plays one of like the the major roles in that too, like uh, Adam Powell Clayton or whatever. Like, the but first. but that's all of the that's like the kind of roles that he always has had. He's been like just like a, oh yeah, like even in Westworld, like he's like it's like oh no, he he serves what he's doing incredibly well, and he's good and even memorable. But like he's never the star of yeah. the thing. So it's weird when he was I, in James Bond. Also, right, also yeah. to to side, you know, to uh, not to sidebar the sidebar spoiler <laughs> for the the Oscars talk again, but. I'll take the Coleman Domingo nomination over either of the fucking Nyad nominations, which is a oh movie my God, I don't ever watch. Because fuck Diana. No Diana. one watched those movies, that movie. I swear to God. Perfect. Because yeah, no one like, watched oh, it. Love Diana Nyad's a <laughs> fucking liar and a pile of trash. And the movie, the movie. Other than that, she's great, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you like the Portman and Julianne Moore easily. Yeah. I, I was like, I, I was reading the description for it though, and it was like. Uh, like the second I saw, like, uh, oh well, she swam for like Cuba to Florida. I was like, and she didn't. She didn't. But the but movie's presented. The second, the second I saw that, I was like, seen it. The movie presents it as if she did it. So that movie, Diane, should have been called American Fiction as well. <laughs> yeah, but from, but from what I understand, boom, the, got the movie, their ass. The movie, <laughs> the movie presents it straight up as if she had done it, and it turns out that she didn't. She lied yeah. about it. Also, I'm sure that that's why we're not covering it. That's not the only reason why. I'm sure she's not also the first person who swam from Cuba to far. Come on, like we're we're never gonna know the the first first white person. Cuba, maybe swam to Florida, perhaps. I don't know. I don't. Okay, so the second I see somebody trading for a big swim, I'm like, I'm not gonna. I don't. I don't care. As yet another biopic. Just to be clear, in in like the but it's pure fiction. Okay, I guess it isn't. Yeah, okay. Anyway, can we talk about literally anything else? Like maybe the movie in question. The American fiction. American fiction. Act. That's a good. That's a good. Do you have anything else for us, or you want to do one letterbox one liners? No, we can do letterbox one liners. So letterbox, of course, is a a social media site for film lovers who talk at with and to each other about the movies that they love. Maybe the movies they didn't love them. Maybe the movies that they exclusively thirst posted for Sterling K. Brown on. Who knows? Not for me to say. (laughs) Everyone gets to have their say. It isn't just the Siskels and Eberts of the world. A bottom-up democracy. Everyone gets to chime in, and it's best expressed succinctly. You keep it short. You keep it tight. And these are the letterbox one-liners for American Fiction. Let's go. Jeffrey Wright's voice sounds like what I think my voice would sound like after I drink lavender chamomile tea with honey at night and pretend to be a smooth jazz radio presenter. Oh, he would for NPR, wouldn't he? He, he he really does have a great voice though. Great NPR voice for sure. Yeah. I could totally see the Academy giving this a surprise back special win. That would be so meta. I'd come back and give this another star. 
Not off the table. Not off the table. I you will get into that in the Oscar thing. You know what's you know what's very funny about it though? So I mean I know that Zach hates fucking variety and I, I kind of do too for like their tag <laughs> fucking dude. But I, I variety and like one other critics magazine that I read were like very enthusiastic about uh this movie being like like this movie, we give this like critics choice uh award of the year, and it's like, yeah, because it like referenced you guys a lot, right? Like it like, <laughs> yeah. like well, no, but also Clayton even Davis though it's fewer them. It's and I and I like Clayton Davis after after American fiction won TIFF. He he launched it to the top of his prediction for best picture, yeah, but it, but it also skewered how vapid critics are. But of course, yeah. people, people don't see that, right? Like they they just see themselves in the movie. It's the same way that like you know mob guys love fucking Scorsese movies because <laughs> like, they oh, see representation. This is a movie right. about us, yeah, yeah. This, the same way this kind of thing is like, oh, this is a movie for the critics. Like, look, look. <laughs> if somebody put one of my songs in a movie, I'd be like, best picture nomination starts now. Let's go. It doesn't even matter what it was, right? I would be like, it's best picture. Best picture of my mind and my heart. Time Thank to you. get your tux, my brother. Yeah, exactly. Let's go. We're going to the big show. As a writer, this film called me the fuck out in all ways possible. <laughs> this is a very writer-centric film. And Cord yeah. Jefferson is a is a longtime writer, right? Like his his original thing was not to be a TV writer. He was right. the uh he was the gawker editor, like uh one of them, you know, like not not like really? the, yeah, not like the head editor or anything, but he was like one of like the the editors that fucking did a lot of stuff for them. And then Gawker closed down and he was like, oh, I need a new career. This is his third career. I kind of like him more now. Yeah. Good for him. That's awesome. Gawker was fucking so messy, though. (laughs) Oh, yeah, for sure. But he got out of it at the right time. Like the vice is about to go out the way of Gawker. Like it's sad. Writers are so fundamentally just sidelined. Uh, in the conversation about movies, yet they are so important. See the writer strike, and it's it's nice to see. First of all, a well written movie, period. But nice to see one that centers an actual writer and addresses that head on because I feel like that doesn't happen enough. A writer that doesn't finish the the book that he wants to write, right? Like, right? I, I it like, isn't I, a success, right? Yeah. yeah. It isn't I, like I, the I, Bohemian Rhapsody scene where they make freaking the, the the big hit and all comes together in like you know two minutes. Like no, come yeah. on, grow yeah. up. Or, like, or in Straight Outta Compton when uh, when Dre is messing around on a synthesizer and happens to stumble upon the synth line for "Ain't Nothing But a G Thing." Yeah, and, <laughs> and Snoop Dogg. Oh, that's good. Yeah, Snoop Dogg walks into his living room and and flawlessly does the first verse. I was so One, I, two, I started yelling three, at the TV. Four. I started yelling at the TV when I saw that. I was like, that is not how that works. Oh, uh, but no, like I, I, I respect a movie that doesn't have him finish his like big novel or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, at the yeah, end yeah. of it, like this, this movie, I feel like it was channeling uh Barton Fink in some ways with that. It's like at the end yeah. of it, he is still, he is still creatively unfulfilled. Yeah. Uh, he has money, it. but he's like, you know, it's like, again, for the stupidest reasons possible for, yeah. for, for his metrics. <laughs> Which is a I loss love, I love for the him. line that he's like, the stupider I behave, uh, the more things work out or whatever. Yep. <laughs> it's like celebrate yeah. the stupid. <laughs> Accurate. I can't believe a movie that made fun of the pretentiousness and subjectivity of massive awards for art and the insincerity and white guilt of its voters got a fucking best picture nomination. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> because because they're looking at it and they're like, wow, this movie really references us. Mm-hmm. Which is right. We don't care if it's mocking us. Yeah, well, it's the same kind of vapidity and like pretentiousness, right? But it's like they, they're pointing at the screen. They're like, oh, we're critics. Like, <laughs> and they're yeah. right to nominate it, but for the wrong reasons, which thankfully doesn't actually matter. 
Yeah. It doesn't matter that they, they they don't get it on that deeper level, but it is funny that like again, the Academy awarded Best Picture to Green Book and Crash. Just to be yeah. clear, to level set, yes. that's who we're dealing with, and also fucking Precious. Yes, did that win Best Picture? Did it? I, Precious, yeah. no, no, Precious, or it got nominated. Precious got a picture. bunch of nominations. The Monique yeah. one, I remember, it got lots of nominations. Yeah, anyway. Hollywood runs on book reports. Yes, yeah. accurate. Yeah, okay. which makes it which makes it ironic that like Corey Jefferson actually did re- like you know because first time directors of course have to uh, read the books of there whatever but he was he was reading a different book and he got um he got sidelined and he saw Erasure mentioned on something for a different book and was like oh I should read that too which relatable but like yeah. that's how he <laughs> found the book too. that's great I love that. A film that acknowledges two universal truths. Writing is such a silly profession, and Sterling K. Brown is unnaturally hot. <laughs> his, his whole role in this is so funny. Because like, yeah. he's, he's a man he's a man on like going through an emotional and mental decline, right? Throughout the entire thing. Like he's, right. he's breaking down, but not in the way that you'd assume he was. Right. Absolutely. American function. Uh-huh. Oh man, that should have been my name. God damn it! <laughs> There's still time. There's still time. <laughs> We're all gonna change our names now. Here's yeah, how American fiction could still win. Exactly. Actually, that is the porno parody name of American fiction. Uh, of course it is. Incredibly refreshing to watch a movie with a meta script that does not make me want to gouge my eyes out after 20 minutes. Agree, Bob. Yeah. Wagner. Yes. We've gotten we've gotten to the point where uh, I, I feel like culture has been so consumed by the idea of like marketization that people are just kind of making the same things over and over again. But meta, right? So right, right, exactly. for for, the, for this to be something new but also meta is like hell yeah. <laughs> it's actually in the metaverse with uh, <laughs> Facebook. He, he's, pitching, he's pitching the idea to Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> Oh my well, you God. don't see anybody's legs in this movie. He's, he's like, he's like, put on the tux, put put on the tux, my brother. <laughs> Plantation Annihilation release date when? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I want to fucking it. see that movie. Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Reynolds gets decapitated by a fro pick. I'm in. Stop because right he, there. You've made the sale. That's the first scene. It is because he's friends with the producer of the movie. Fantastic. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for it. A white woman sitting in front of me was actively Googling who Tyler Perry was during the credits. <laughs> what? Wait, I thought Tyler Perry made content specifically for white people. <laughs> no, I mean, like, let's be fair. Uh, Ty- Tyler Perry, like, you know, fa- found like a, a little niche uh, that, uh, you know, that's made him very rich. And I, you know, by the way, Oscar winner, Tyler Perry, just going to yes. point that out because they gave him an Oscar for being a good dude. A couple yeah, years ago. People honestly, don't that's it. awesome. I'm, I'm uh, here for it. Like, Tyler Perry, come on the show. Um, they did the Atlanta um, episode that uh, like, kind of par- parodied the same things as yeah. American fiction with Tyler Perry, where he's yeah. like the, the guy that's literally just feeding off trauma porn. Yeah. <laughs> that's anyway. kind of what he does. Yeah. Trauma porn, or again, as that fake BET commercial says, the diversity of the African the, American. The diversity of American American community. Yeah, these <laughs> are the uh, <laughs> Alright, let me close this damn bit out, would you? Uh, those are Letterbox one-liners for American Fiction. Please follow the show at our Letterbox HQ account at Movie Night Extra. Uh, you can see stories posted of all the great episodes, uh, of all the great movies that we cover, read all about them, and then get, d- dive in deeper from there. Stag are... 
Flacco over there is the author of my phrenology. He's also on Letterbox at Always Flacco. He's logging all the stuff that Come on, my we, phrenology is a pretty good. Is a my pretty phrenology good. is good. My yeah. is good. I, <laughs> I like, read it earlier, so it does. It didn't get the shock value it does normally. He's Usually, like, I don't. <laughs> he's like, he's like, Dad. We have the same skull shape. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> God damn it! Let me bust out the tape measure. <laughs> You're my dad. He's on he's on Letterboxd, and you can follow him for Bon Mots just like that one if you feel so inclined. I am at Kona Neutron. I'm celebrating the stupid, but not as much as uh, others maybe do. Uh, I'm doing the highbrow, the midbrow, the populist fair. Follow me for the Criterion Challenge, Film School Dropouts Challenge. I have not been logging that much stuff lately because I am doing music stuff, but we'll get into that later. J. Andrew, Dirty Doggy World. Why, yes, I do want you to bring it, which is only the weirdest stuff on in cinema and and off. So there's television shows he's like logging as well. Uh, he's hey, logging I can all, do it. I'm doing it. <laughs> right at right about now too, uh, doing all that stuff. Either way, whether you're interested in it or not, he can be your he can be your guidepost. He cannot uh, take of that what you will. Uh, at Christina, uh, at Cosmo, it's actually at um Christina. Christina is American nonfiction or American fuction, if you prefer. We're just gonna bring that one back. Uh, she's she's logging stuff when it pleases her. I've been her. cast as the Issa Rae character in American Fiction, uh, the foreign <laughs> parody. Fantastic. Yeah, find it now on her OnlyFans. There you go. Sure. Uh, so she's her, on there. Her book is Weez Lives in the South. <laughs> <laughs> so follow her if you want. Zach B. Marsh is my friend from Letterboxd who still comes in this show for some goddamn reason. I'm not sure why. Uh, you can you can follow him. Uh, is this is, is it just it's still your name or is it is it uh, Cinema of My Mind now? I'm, I'm trying to remember. Uh, no, my Instagram is the Cinema of My Mind. Also, you guys are the only ones who call me Zach B. Marsh. It's very interesting. That's fun. It's like Sterling K. Yeah. Brown. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm Zach Marsh everywhere else. I'd be Conan E. Neutron. The E is for entertainment. Um, but uh, ah. no, my Instagram, my Instagram is the cinema of my mind because I'm a pretentious dickhead. Well, um, but my letterbox is just Zach Marsh or Zach. Is it just Zach Marsh? Okay. Well, yeah, it, may, it might be Zach B. Marsh, but like if you search Zach space Marsh, I'm the first one that you'll comes come, up. You'll come you up know? eventually. It's like Michael yeah. B. Jordan, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I think we're going to hear a word from our sponsors. So we're going to hear the plugs proper. Tonight's podcast is brought to you by Yebiga. A Balkan Rakia spirit, plum brandy, that springs Serbia to the American shores in an authentic and appreciative way. Care of Billy Gould, basis for faith no more, and Rakia appreciator. Rakia is a traditional spirit enjoyed at weddings, funerals, and life events. However, more and more, it's being enjoyed everywhere, on a night out with friends, or as a casual drink. Get a bottle today in liquor stores and bars across America. Go to yabiga.com to see where it's available near you. Maybe maybe someday they'll be enjoyed in this show. Who knows? But uh, the, the dare to dream. Uh, dirty doggy, <laughs> can you take us away with the plugs, please? Why right. is it dirty dog? I know what. Don't answer that. Dog. <laughs> I started that asking. And I'm like, I don't. Yeah. No, no, no. Don't want to. Okay. Do Watching us on YouTube right now. Do those YouTube things. Like, comment, subscribe, hit that bell. And of course, you know the big ask that we do is. Uh, Watch the video to the end. That allows us to be discovered by other movie fans, but that also allows you to hear that great Conan Neutron song. Yes. Um, if you're watching us over on Twitch, do the Twitch things. Um, follow, give us a sub. 
if you happen to have an Amazon Prime account, you can subscribe for free. Doesn't cost you anything, but uh, helps us out greatly. Uh, so if you can do that, please do that. Uh, and, you know, if you're listening to us on a podcast, wherever you get your podcast from, uh, write us over there. Help us uh, help us juice those stats. If you um, think we're ugly and you'd rather listen to us, go ahead. <laughs> you don't say that and give us five stars. Great, great voices, but uh, faces, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do the next one on radio. Exactly, exactly. Uh, you can find us on social media. We're on uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Blue Sky, Threads. Yeah, I think that's it. And, of course, Discord. Um, follow us over on Discord. Facebook, Threads, yeah. I mean, we should have, like, a you get a correct quiz answer noise every time you get one of them that we're on. Like, ding! <laughs> Ding. <laughs> like truth social um <laughs> big x appears on the screen like it's like uh yeah family feud. x gonna give it to you i like i like that they let trump back on twitter but he's so invested in truth social at this point they just stayed there it's a contractual obligation for him to post on truth social it's a whole thing i know i know all the deets about that Okay, we don't need to go into that. But what sure. we do need to go into is Conan Neutron's plugs. Yes, that's right. Yeah, he's he's over I'm there. I'm the um, best. <laughs> are you on, on Truth Social? I am not on Truth Social. I guarantee you. That's probably why he's the best. That's what that's what someone who's on Truth Social would say. <laughs> exactly. Mm, sounds like something someone who's on Truth Social might Pratonic say. reversal. Pratonic reversal. I remember when it went the other direction, but we're not going <laughs> to talk about that. But yeah, he's, he's over there hosting Protonic Reversal. Uh, not probably, this week, I'm not. not I've done, week, done two no. weeks. Oh, but or you next have week. a bunch of extra content that yeah, you've yeah, just they, been cranking they, out. Um, there's been a lot of episodes. The Steve Turner of Mud Honey episode uh, <laughs> was just out. Uh, Holy next, shit, dude. Yeah, that's a great one. Um, he, has a, he has a great book uh, that was a really great episode. So that's actually now up in the main feed now. Uh, Norm Westberg of Swans. Still up as a patron only. That's going to be Monday uh, for everyone. But yeah, $1 a month at patreon.com slash Conversal for early access. I front loaded them so that while I was on tour, there would still be episodes that uh, people can dig into. So experimenting with that since more people did join the Patreon, which you can do as well. Yeah. Thank you. Give me money. Thank you. And, and if you do want to give Conan uh, more money, you can uh, do that either in person or online because he is on tour with his band, Conan Neutron and Secret Friends. That's right. Uh, starting up tomorrow, we got Costa Mesa, Bakersfield, Ooh. Los Angeles, and San Francisco. Uh, poster art by Mr. J. Andrew World. And the Los Angeles and San Francisco shows are going to be with the Mighty McCluskey, which is uh, going to be huge shows. I think SF show is very close to selling out, and LA is getting close. So, yeah. Why does Costa Mesa sound like the name of a town that someone like made up um, <laughs> like, like Spanish? I must be local, must be loyal to my capo in Costa Mesa. No, it's a real town. It's it's in it's like a, by like um like if you go down towards uh, uh, the southern area, like the Huntington Beach, uh, Long Beach uh, kind of area area. So technically. People that don't live in LA, like, oh, it's LA. No, I assure you, it is not. Like, nobody, nobody from LA will go to, will be at the, those shows. But like, it's kind of like, if you're coming from San Diego or like Fullerton or somewhere down the way, it's more attractive because then you have to deal with LA traffic. But anyway, it's it's cool. Costa Mesa should be good. Bakersfield, I think someone from Christina's Discord, like Maddie, right? Is, Maddie, yep, there. they're gonna be there. Woo-hoo. Didn't have that on my bingo card, but um, got a yeah. mod. Hang out. 
Neutronfriends.bandcamp.com. There may be a new item up for Bandcamp Friday tomorrow. We'll see how it goes. Maybe. We'll see. But, uh, yeah. Adult Prom's most recent record. Yeah, and you should buy it tomorrow whenever Conan gets all of your money as opposed to just part of it if you bought it today. Right. Because I'm... It takes a lot of money to do this crap. <laughs> so give me money. That's 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 the, that's the some takeaway. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and of course, Catterwall in the near future. In, in near Bean Bay, yeah. Uh, so yeah, Catterwall. It's happening. Four, four day festival in Minneapolis. 43, 44 bands. I'm not sure exactly how many, but uh, Catterwall.org. Uh, May 24th, 25th, 26th, and 27th. If you're into that kind of weird music, that is your jam, baby. There you go. I tell you, last year was a blast, and I highly recommend if you can, if you can make it come. Uh, even if you just want to well, Let me tell you, folks, last year was a blast. Let me tell you. <laughs> you turned to like drive time radio guy there for a second. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I just got to get one of those voice modulators that deepens my voice yeah, yeah. Like, uh, like they all have. Ooh, yeah. ha, ha, have the me so horny like drop just go off for no reason where it's like what why is that there? <laughs> who made that I got, I got a little bit of elvis from that from that voice that's good yeah well, let me tell you but for all of you guys about to see dune 2 i think austin butler has actually lost the elvis voice finally Thank <laughs> i would <laughs> i was i didn't want to say anything i didn't want to be surprised i'm like if he's in dune and he has that elvis voice still i'm gonna lose well let mind. me I don't know. Uh, if he gets stabbed, he goes, thank you. Thank you very much. And the dies. Angela I Bassett. That's the movie ever. Angela Bassett had to let go of her Tina Turner laugh. And she even told us about, like, you got to get rid of the Elvis voice. Like, it took me a while to get rid of Tina's voice, but, like, it, it's worth it in the end. <laughs> the unfortunate thing is because the bike riders have been delayed so much, and I keep seeing that fucking trailer now, and he's still doing the Elvis voice in the bike riders. I think he shot, I think he shot it, like, five oh, minutes man. after he wrapped Elvis. <laughs> You're gonna kill me to get that jacket off my back. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Christina is down there, who's uh, yes, on Twitch. That, that's and... how you should react to that. Just move on. Just move on yes. immediately. Yes. Uh, did you have anything coming up this week, or just uh, following the news? Yeah, it's follow the news. We might watch some more news, some dark history. <laughs> yeah, some more news stuff. is great. I yeah. saw that one that they did this week, and it's um, uh, they they made Israel Cody Palestine Johnson money. friend 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 of the stream friend of, friend of me sort of. Get him on the show. Yeah, get him on the show. Come on. Yeah, he likes I movies. Love Cody Johnson. Yeah, maybe he'll he'll get a uh, little puppet friend Corvo <laughs> to come join us. <laughs> he's like he's like I can't come, but you know who came? Wormbo. <laughs> we have to do an episode of Wormbo. You have to pass the Wormbo test to get the actual Cody Johnson. Yeah, and we need to do it. I think we need to do an episode on Elvis movies. There's a there's <sighs> a video. There's a video of like I watched every Elvis movie and I went insane. Oh, I saw that. I went I insane. Like, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. It's just <laughs> funny because like I've seen every Elvis movie, so that video was a tr like a nostalgia trip for me because like there's so like that moment in Clambake when the guy's like I call karate and then Elvis just goes my, oh um, shut up and punches him my, in the face. One of my customers went to high school with Aunt Margaret, which is pretty cool. I'm like, oh, cool. Viva Las Vegas. Viva, Viva Las Vegas is really good. It's a solid movie. Um, and King Creole, which is like a really early one. King Creole is a, just a genuinely, like that's 
that was like the hint of like, oh, maybe Elvis could actually make something of this acting thing and like be no, nope. like, Colonel Tom really Parker good. said otherwise. Yeah, exactly. King Creole is the one serious attempt that he was like, it's one seriously great movie that Elvis was allowed to make. And well, I highly uh, recommend if you want it. more Elvis yeah. talk, you can definitely check out uh, Cosmopolitics on Twitch and, of course, yeah. uh, support her over on uh, Patreon uh, slash Cosmopolitics. Patreon.com slash Cosmopolitics. There yeah, we go. People are very interested in my knowledge about Jonestown. I'm like, okay, cool. That's kind of more. Yeah, I think it's a documentary about to come out, right? Well, I mean, there's. Where's it out? You'd have two... to tune in to Christina's channel to find out where she will learn all of this. I just saw more. my first ad for it, so that's all I know. Okay. There's like two know. movies coming out, and I'm looking. I'm not with, with Leo DiCaprio playing Jim Jones and George Gordon Levitt. I'm not looking forward to like the fan edits being made of like him, of like the guy, the actors with like the actress playing like his mistresses. I'm like, we cannot romanticize this. They planned a mass murder. Anyway, I'm reading the I'm reading the Tom O'Neill uh, Charlie Charlie Manson book right now, where he like mm. reveals all the facts about Charles Manson being like a CIA fucking experiment. And we can hear all about it on Once Upon a Time for Hollywood episode coming up soon. I would love to cover that movie. Oh, my God. I saw a couple of the locations earlier today, and I'm not even kidding. Nice. What if we do that and we do a Jackie Brown episode? Because those are my those are literally my two favorite Tarantino. Don't threaten movies. me with a good time, man. I mean, <laughs> I think the only only Tarantino we've ever, we've ever done was Reservoir Dogs. and was a last minute replacement. Yes. And it was a good episode, but like we didn't. You know, I think I think Tarantino. Like I, I'm deeply interested to watch more fucking uh, interviews of Tarantino talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because I feel like the the thoughts he had behind that movie are probably fascinating. Yeah, it's like let's, yeah, because he realized he could rewrite fucking history by doing Inglorious Bastards and just being like, what if we just killed Hitler? Like, what yeah. if we just did that at the end ourselves? And then what a great work that he's like, all right, revolutionary well, what, idea. What other, what other things can we uh, <laughs> can we right, can right. we rewrite? Like, <laughs> you, you know, we could get this bit and talk about Zach's movie, uh, Talk of the Park. Yes, that would, that would be cool. I mean, yeah. Uh, hey, if only we that. knew how to segue, we could do that. Yeah, yeah, that, that was a good segue, <laughs> wasn't it? Come on, I'm killing it over here. Once upon a time in the Hollywood, Hollywood, Los Angeles, Park, MacArthur Park, a talk in the park. Yeah, Segway. The word park. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's uh, still yeah. making the round on, on the festival circuit, Zach? Uh, well, uh, it might be in uh, East Hampton. I find it in two weeks. Oh, so, I know a guy. I know a guy. That... Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a guy. There, someone, someone here may have re suggested that I huh, submit, huh. so we find out. Uh, got a couple Massachusetts, more. you say? <laughs> yeah, Massachusetts, um, which would be cool. I've never been to any of the New England states, so it would be, it would be cool to, you know, pop by. Um, yeah, yeah. Get an unprompted probably, guided probably, tour. I'll probably like I'll probably fly into into Newport and take like uh, I don't know. There's like a, probably a bus that goes up from there or something. It's a, it's a um, horseback actually. You have to ride a horse. A horseback. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, it's all um, it's all Amish down there. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's I'm waiting to hear back from a couple New more. York. I think the festival runs pretty much done. You know, it, it was like, look, I went to New Zealand for this film. We had a world premiere here. There were, you know, some awards bodies, things, jury panels. It did okay with, but it, it would have been nice for it to get into a few more than it did. Yeah. Um, it called me biased, but I don't really think the festival circuit gave the film a fair shake um, because it's so like, there's no studio attached to it. There's no logos right. at the start of the film. It's me and like six other people 
who just made a film in a park in one day and cut it together and started submitting it to places. And I'm really you're, proud of uh, it. You're really good. You know? Submit it to Woodstock, Woodstock Film Festival, like which is like near me. They get some pretty fucking big people to come there. Like uh, they had Bill Pullman fucking break a break an award that they gave breaking him. your balls is what it was doing. We're, talk, we're, we're talking. We're talking like Woodstock, Woodstock, like New yeah, this yeah, is yeah. New York. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it's the bird from the peanuts. Actually, he's got a well, film no, festival. Well, no, there's there's, there's, no, it's there's the a music wood, festival. There's a wood, there's a Woodstock here, and there's like a Woodstock. There's, there's, there's a, a lot of Woodstock, yeah, but yeah, like yeah. Steve Buscemi comes to the one here, like pretty much every year. Like I don't know, it's 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 not like huge, but it's like they get some some big names to come through. Yeah, if 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 the film's still because we you know I shot it in August 2022, if it's still eligible. Um, yeah, I don't think that there's really eligibility requirements. I remember one time they made me watch a because I was I was screening for them like after college. They made me watch a fucking Dane Cook movie. That was the worst thing I ever saw. Like, let's not have Dane Cook come to Woodstock. I don't know. Yeah, if the come on the show, it. Dane Cook. That that uh, I I quit after watching it. <laughs> Dane was Cook like, has been disinvited from the show. I remember. Actually, I remember yes. when you'd have, you'd have to show, watch man, the movie and then you'd have to do like a, a like a, a intake form kind of where it's like um. You know, like you write about it, all this stuff. And I think mm. I quit after the Dane Cook one. I was like, "This is the worst movie I've ever seen." Like, this so is a, you were the show American Gods, and yeah. how Dane yeah. Cook just suddenly shows up in yeah, one episode. It, it was a Dane Cook jump scare for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was. Fuck, this man. was this was like I think around the same time as that because he was trying to make a comeback, and then he was like, "Yeah, I'm getting married to my." Uh, you know, my, my wife that I met at, when she was 16 and everyone was like, all right, that's enough, Dane Cook. Just go, just go back, go back into the... <laughs> you Someone... overstayed his welcome within months, I feel like. Someone uh, in the chat asked, like, what do you know about People's Temple? And I'm like, what? And you know what? Way too much. Like, more than the average, like, scholar knows at this point. You gotta go to you gotta go to Guyana and like I literally interviewed people for my thesis <laughs> about it being a mass murder by people who were there when it happened and survived. So like if they know, eyewitnesses would know what was going on. Anyway. If you know, you know. Speaking of no, are we done with the plugs or no? Still doing them? I you know, I think unless uh, Zach has anything else, um just uh keep, I'm keep I'm it. still writing I'm still writing my feature. Uh, it's called While We're on the Way to There. Um, I have acted in a few other short films. I don't know when they're coming out because they're not like they're not mine, right? Um, I'm just, you know what? I'm trying to get a fucking agent right now. So if anyone knows any good agents in the Toronto area or abroad, because I I'll work anywhere, and like I'll fly to LA for a project. I don't give a fuck. I don't care if I go broke doing it. Um, I need. I don't an agent. know. I don't know if you ever experienced this, but like. It's funny to like work on people's short films and then completely forget about it. And then yeah. like, I don't know, like a year and change later, like a year it later, they're like, my film's out. And you're like, oh yeah, I, I, I helped out with this. Yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> one of them, I've done that with music videos where it's like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. One of them, interestingly, is a student film at York University for York University here in Toronto. Mm -hmm. Um, I think in some point in April, they're screening all of like the student films, but like, I've seen a rough cut. Like it's it's you know, I'm not gonna pretend we made Thunder Road, but for a student film, like it looks like the it, it just looks very polished and looks in and like the the actor that I'm playing opposite of was was fantastic. Like I'm really happy with it. Um it's called Resurgence. And yes. uh it's basically about like I play the main character. He's you know, he's he's uh estranged from his father, his mom's just died, 
there's a thing about inheritance and like this house and it involves eight ball, which uh, it was kind of cool for me because I, I used to play eight ball a lot um, yeah. late high school. And when I went to Ryerson for a year, I was like sharking kids in the pool hall. Um, <laughs> That's like cooking so, what? Uh, I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say just like Sterling K. Brown, he played eight ball. You know. Oh uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I see. I see what you're doing. Yeah, it's a drug. It's a drug joke. It's a drug joke. Um, it's real but, subtle uh, too. Moving on. Yeah. So resurgence coming out sometime Great. soon, baby. All right. There we go. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, Zach. Final thoughts on this movie, American Fiction. In case you forgot which movie we were discussing, <laughs> the audience uh, certainly has at this point. Yeah. Well, this is uh, we're now. What what is this? My this is my fourth episode with you I guys. Think so yeah. And it is once again a film that I consider to be a masterpiece. You guys only only bring me on for the ten out of tens for me. So. Bangers only. Club. It'll be really um, funny. It'll be really funny if one day we bring you on for a movie that you hated, but we all and we're like, this is so great. You're like. Worst movie I ever saw. <laughs> uh, there, a movie that he liked that we all hated. There right, are movies right. that I go, I've, I've gone against the grain on, so I'm sure it'll happen. Oh, I know. Too. I've seen it. I'm like, my man. Really? Yeah. yeah okay. But... <laughs> uh, the but... Iron Claw um, is one. I still haven't seen it yet. So Don't bother, uh... Conan. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. It's done, it's done well enough. It doesn't need your support. Uh, well enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. Okay. That says a lot. Oh, that's uh, interesting. Okay. Christina, final thoughts. This movie is amazing. Yeah, I mean, it, I'm glad that it got some awards for from the Spirit Awards because I feel like the Spirit Awards are like the awards for like those films that probably are left out from the biggies, like the Golden Globes and SAG, or well, not well acting at least, um, Golden Globes and BAFTAs and Oscars as well. Um, I feel like Jeffrey Wright gives the performance of a lifetime in this. Yeah. And he's worthy of great things to come for sure. And as well as Sterling K. Brown. Hell yeah. Andy, final thoughts. I was a little nervous going into this movie because, uh, I didn't realize it was based on a book, but I do know a guy who actually uh, wrote a book about, uh, it was like a black romantic comedy and, uh, his agent, uh, it's like, no, nobody wants this book. So he got pissed off and he wrote a book called the uh, Coontown Killing Caper, where uh, a bunch of like uh, crack babies are killing rappers off. Um, and uh, <laughs> 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 and I was just like, oh, I know this story. But he got dropped by his agent. <laughs> You're like, I, I did a play about this. Actually. <laughs> where is this going? <laughs> the word a lot. <laughs> uh, well how many words do the crack babies really know exactly no but like, uh, <laughs> so, so i was nervous going in thinking like oh is this ba- you know is this is this what it's in, is this I, I mean what what is this and then i found out it was about a, a different book and and like okay okay <laughs> oh uh, thank god yeah it wasn't that book all right all right yeah. did, did you think they referenced your friend's book i had no clue going in like like i didn't uh you know i wasn't <laughs> familiar. Like, they made a movie about my friend <laughs> I felt a little bit like that, but like, like, like the, I mean, it's, it is set in Massachusetts. So oh, well, he's, he's down in Philly though. That's uh all right. Well, he was trying to throw you a bone and you just, yeah, said, uh, Nope, I don't like bones. I, ima- I imagine that every time Massachusetts is a reference to the movie, Andy's eyes light, light up with the lasers. Yeah, but it's Boston. Like, I'm in Western that's, mass. That's like, 
We're, we're closer okay. to New York City. We don't, oh my God. We don't Nobody cares. Nobody cares at all, even a little like, bit. Massachusetts rivalry here. But, but <laughs> anyways, the, the, the bottom line is I kind of went in a little nervous and was uh, <laughs> oh that was what made you nervous right okay okay <laughs> got it uh but but uh <laughs> I, I was i was uh, you know really thoroughly enjoyed this movie um you know because it is a genuinely like funny warm and smart movie and if you haven't seen it yet why did you watch us spoil everything <laughs> <laughs> I, I do like the Massachusetts thing in this movie. The first when he flies to Boston, and the first thing you see is him walking out of a Duncan, but they hold the, the, the like his hand over the logo. And, and he Duncan. said, "I already had a guy in a Bruins jersey tell me t- say, say if I was talking down to him or not." It was yeah, funny. Yeah. Oh, I've got I've got a plug I forgot about. Actually, this this movie actually I've started writing something else that is set in set in coastal Massachusetts because of American fiction. There was I think one, I say because of Andy. Tiny, there was one tiny little scene in it that I was like, yeah. I had the kernel for an entire film from. Andy, uh, Andy that is very different. There's no, it's n- nothing to do with race or anything. That's just it. It was an option. Well, I would hope like, not. <laughs> it was an option. Of a specific be, Marsh, your thoughts on race? The movie. Yeah. No. No. But uh, I am. I am writing something that is is set in essentially like the same kind of town that American fiction is. Where well, hit up Eddie. He can get you all the good locations. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, I will. Yeah, it's like going location location scouting, whether you want to or not. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, so this is where uh, this is the bowling alley from the Big Lebowski. You know, this is that, the... right, exactly. that's true. You can see that actually. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna throw. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, slot in a, a bowling alley scene now. Yeah, right, right to the locations you have. <laughs> that Zach's the first person who ever is like. I need Andy to show me more places. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Show me more places I can film for free. Great. But Conan, final thought. Yes. uh, You know, sharp, witty, wry, insightful, deeply hilarious. I think uh, Jeffrey Wright has always been a very capable, that guy, supporting actor. And this is the sardonic role of a lifetime here for him. He's a magnetic yet flawed. This is a multi-layered, deep satire. Targets the publishing industry and... Honestly, the whole entertainment industry, how uh, white liberals engage with black stories, but it's also very funny. And the idea of a genius and nuance having to be sublimated for the desires of the masses, that's always appealing to me. And I think this is one part family drama, one part social critique. And I think it's a stronger movie because it's doing both of those things. And then when it balances, it uh, it really hits. It, when it bites, it bites deep. And when it's sweet, it isn't treacle. So the fact that this is a directorial debut is uh, kind of a mind blower for me. And it's it's very self-assured and worthwhile. I'm glad it didn't get lost in what is a very busy and very strong year. And I'm really glad we discussed it. Hell yeah. All right. Well, we're going to go to the after party with Zach B. Marsh's uh, Oscar predictions. That's right. And don't forget, there's a B in there. Zach B. Marsh, you know? <laughs> 